wasn't sure if we were singing or not. <laughs> it, it almost was. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to our little podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about episodes 91 through 95. Yes? Yep. We're almost to the end of season one. I can't believe we're almost to the end of season one of Passions. They're building us up to an Alistair reveal. I think so. Yeah. Because, yeah, well, we'll talk about it. But, yeah, I in my notes several times today, I was like, are we going to meet Alistair? Not nah, yet. Not yet. Not but. yet. But he's he's on his way home. He's Big got- Daddy Crane. I wrote him. I called him Big Daddy Crane in all of my notes. Ew. <laughs> I feel like Julian would like to be called that in bed. So, <laughs> so it's confusing because I know you're meaning Alistair, but I'm pretty sure that's what Julian calls himself. Oh, you, my God. You, you know, know what I just I mean. realized? My dad. You know what? I shouldn't say this. <laughs> well, you've started saying it, so now you have to finish. My dad like used to go by like this like screen name of Big Daddy Wolf. And I think that's where I'm getting that from. Oh, probably, yeah. Because when he was a kid, people used to call him a house wolf. What's a house wolf? I don't know. As opposed to like a wild wolf? Yeah, like a house wolf. Like a a dog? dog? (laughs) Tabitha, the German shepherd? I don't know. Maybe your dad is a witch. But he was like wild. I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'd have more money if he was. Uh, Yeah. Well, not if he's only as good as Tabitha is. Tabitha's got a nice house, though. That's true. But, I mean, she's been working at it for, like, 300 years. She's the 300-year-old face of evil. Oh, my God. Let's talk about this fucking show. Okay, everybody. Just a heads up. This week started out really strong. And then everything fizzled. Yeah. Every single thing fizzled. I, uh, it was weird. The transition into that last episode was especially strange. We'll talk about it when we get there, I'm sure. But, yeah. So, we've arranged things in a way to keep you, hopefully, intrigued and interested in the story. Uh, as we discuss it, but it was, it was, it was a letdown because it started off so strong. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into it. Let's start at the Crane Mansion, shall we? But of course. The Crane Mansion. So what's going on over there? All right. Well, we've got uh, Ivy and Sam outside on the front stoop talking because remember Ivy had just passed out uh, and kind of came to, and she had these flashbacks about Sam and was like, oh, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. And so she has decided that this is the right moment to tell him a huge secret, which we think is that Ethan is actually Sam's son. Yeah. We're uh, pretty sure about that. At we're this pretty point. sure. I mean, the show hasn't confirmed it, but they will. Yeah. Um, and so she goes to meet him on the, on the front porch on his way out of the house and he doesn't want to hear it. Whatever she's saying, he wants no parts of. He's terrified that Julian and Ethan might overhear what they're saying. And he tells Ivy, you need to get over the past. What we used to have is back there, and I'm living in the now. And she says to him, but the past is what keeps me up at night, and it's what keeps me going every day. Yeah. He's like, don't do this now. We're both married. We have moved on. And she's like, not me. <laughs> not, not me. me. <laughs> but in this conversation, we get some very interesting pieces of information. Yeah. A, we find out that Ivy is the, the governor's, governor's daughter. daughter. Yes. I wrote that too. I was like, I was oh. Like, Whoa. So that's why she's pushing Ethan to go into politics. Yeah. Probably. And then she's part of this prominent family. So I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting fact number one. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact number two about Ivy is that she was with Sam. On that first night of their honeymoon. I mean, we knew that. We knew that. But I was, this whole time I was like, did Julian know that she was pregnant when he married her? Like, how did this work? No, she got pregnant with another man's baby. On on her honeymoon. On the night of her honeymoon. So actually I wrote pranked. (laughs) (laughs) Pregognant. She got pranked. She's pregognant. (laughs) Preguntes. (laughs) 
you know, we find out Ivy was with Sam on the first night of her honeymoon and Sam's like, that was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you were vulnerable. You were sad. I, you know, cause he says something about us both being married and she's like, that wasn't a problem before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, I guess it is conceivable that Julian wouldn't know that Ivy had a son with Sam yeah. instead of him. Yeah. No, that I, that was my assumption when they were talking about the, the first night of their honeymoon. And once he was like, where were you? I was like, oh, she was with Sam. That's when she got pregnant. Mm. And that's why she had to pass that baby off as Julian. Yeah. And it was easy to do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So what else happens in this scene? Well, during this time also, um, Ivy asks him to tell her if he ever thinks about how things used to be between them. And he's like, no, I'm with Grace now. I love her. I... I have no feelings for you. And she's like, if you really have no feelings for me, why haven't you told Grace about us? Mm. And Sam at first avoids the question, but eventually he says, why should I? Our relationship is dead. And like all dead things, it should remain buried in a deep, dark, cold grave. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, I will say we learn about Sam, a piece of important information, which is that he left Harmony because he simply couldn't stand to see Ivy with any other man. He Mm -hmm. couldn't stand to see her with Julian. So he left Harmony. And the only reason they came back is because Grace wanted to be there. Yeah. So. Yeah. These two. I don't know. It's crazy because I've always since the beginning, I'm like, oh, Sam and Grace, the perfect couple, blah, blah, blah. But it really seems like Ivy and Sam. Yeah. Were meant to be. I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know. (sighs) It's tough. I like Grace and I like Grace with Sam and I dislike, I love Ivy. Don't get me wrong. Like I like her as a character and I think she's hilarious and I like feel for her honestly, but I like Grace and Sam together so much that it make, this makes me very like kind of angry with her. I guess she's like trying to get her man and she's been through a lot, but Grace has, Grace is great. Grace yeah. is a wonderful person and I feel like she she has like some kind of weird, not weird. She has animosity towards Grace, jealousy. Of course she does, understandable. But at the same time, it's like, this is this man's wife yeah. that you claim to love him so much. It's been years. If you tell everybody the secret, it's going to blow everybody's fucking lives up, mm-hmm. including your children. And at the end of the day, Ivy made her choice. Ivy made her fucking choice. Yeah. She could have stayed with Sam. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. She pro- I imagine she would have lost her inheritance or something. I, I imagine there was a money aspect involved mm-hmm. for, with her marrying Julian and a class aspect. You mm-hmm. hear how she talks about well, our social set and this and that. Mm-hmm. And she could have stayed with Sam pride and prejudice. She could have stayed with Sam, there but, you she, go. but she did not. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. This whole thing was, it was sad, but it was also very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, first love. Yeah. And it was a big love. It was a big love. So inside, while they're having this conversation outside, Julian is questioning Pilar about why Ivy has been acting so strangely lately. Um, But she, of course, shares nothing with him. She's like, I don't know. I wouldn't share anything (laughs) with Julian either. Not even like a fucking high five. He then says, oh, I need to catch Sam before he leaves because I wanted to tell him something. And Pilar's like, oh, no, I hope he doesn't catch them outside in the middle of Ivy saying something she shouldn't be saying. And so she stops him from going out. She's like, oh, actually, Mr. Crane, don't go out there. You have a lot of urgent messages. And he's like, Plar, why are you trying to stop me from going outside? And she's like, I'm not trying to stop you. I'm just saying you have some urgent messages. Maybe check on these messages before you go out there. They were urgent. They were really (laughs) urgent. And he's kind of suspicious of Pilar. 
and is like, I'm going to go outside anyway. I'll check them later. But just then the phone rings, Pilar answers. And who is it? Alistair. Big Daddy Crane. Big Daddy Crane. Big B-D-C. Daddy Crane. BDC. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so funny? It just makes me think of B-D-E. Oh, I don't think that Alistair Crane has big dick energy. <laughs> <laughs> BDC does not have BDE. <laughs> All right. He might have ED, though. He, he definitely has ED. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Alistair's on the phone, and Pilar's like, your father's on the phone. Daddy's calling. Oh, she's like, should I take a message? (laughs) (laughs) And Julian is like, no, give me the phone. So he hops on with Alistair, who is calling to harangue Julian about all the business with Sheridan. Basically, he's like, I want no publicity. I'm going to cut my trip short. I'm coming home early to deal with this mess because you are incapable of handling it, son. You have disappointed me. This is ridiculous, but say lovey. A man's got to do what a big daddy crane's got to do. What a big daddy crane's got to do. That's what he's got to do. He's got to come home and take care of his kids. Come, come home and take care of your grown kids because <laughs> they are a disaster. His children are disastrous. Well, I think that goes to speak to his parents. Yes, yes. Or lack thereof. He's a disastrous parent. Yeah. Yeah. So... After his phone call, Julian does head out to try to catch Sam, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens? Well, Julian kind of catches them talking about something, but he doesn't know what it is. He just knows the energy is off. And so Sam covers. He's like, oh, yeah, we were just talking about the dinner party, blah, blah, blah. And Julian sees through this, but falsely assumes that what they're talking about is Ethan. And uh, I don't know. Well, this was, I can't follow my own notes. This was kind of This was kind of interesting because... The reason he thought that they were talking about Ethan was because of the look on Ivy's face. He's he's seen her talk. The, he's seen the way she talks and the way she looks when she's like talking about Ethan, worrying about Ethan. She apparently is obsessed with him. Julian says that at one point that mm-hmm. she's like obsessed with the boy. And um, so he sees the intensity on her face and assumes that she's talking about Ethan. He has I don't think. I sometimes I go back and forth. Sometimes I think Julian has like some suspicions about Ethan's paternity. And then sometimes it seems like he's completely and utterly clueless. And this was a time when it felt like he was completely and utterly clueless. I don't know because at some point he starts bragging about Ethan. Exactly. No, that was that was my point because and he how, comes out how great he is and he thinks that maybe Ivy is out there trying to talk Sam out of this liaison position yeah. with Ethan because she wants him to go into politics instead of being in harmony. And so then he's like, my son's pretty cool and it's nice being a crane. It's it's really weird. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I think the writers just couldn't muster a better like interaction i'm not really sure it was odd it was it was a very bad and forced interaction they forced an interaction where we the audience are supposed to think that ivy is caught right yeah like because he comes out he says you were talking about ethan weren't you and then ivy's like looks like a deer in the headlights because she was about to tell sam about ethan yeah she wasn't talking about ethan yet but she was about to so then sam in this moment is like wait you did say you needed need to tell me something important. Was it about your son? Is that what you wanted to talk about? And she finally says, oh, actually, I'm just on the beautification board of the of yeah. Harmony, and I just want you to put some more keep-off signs around the 
flower beds around town and that's really important to me yeah. I, it was so stupid and also i keep seeing people walking their dogs off leash it's it, it was so stupid yeah, it was odd it was so dumb that um julian randomly starts to talk about ethan he's like yeah my son's so great and she's obsessed with him and i i, I don't know it was such a weird interaction but eventually eventually Sam leaves. <laughs> like, yeah, eventually Sam gets himself out of this awful, uncomfortable conversation. He's like, I have to go call my wife now. Yeah. And he does. He gets in the car. He's driving back home. And he immediately calls Grace to make a date for the Lobster Shack that night because it's the greatest restaurant in all of Harmony. And also, as much as he loves her and as happy as he is with his life, I think there's a, a lot of guilt that's coming up mm-hmm. of, of surrounding his mm-hmm. feelings with Ivy and how so clearly she is you know, chasing after him and he hasn't told Grace anything about it. And it will feel really bad if 20 years later he starts telling her about this big love. And yeah, so he's, he's doing this to make himself feel better. And I think, I think also to prove to himself that he is a good husband and that he does love Grace and that he's happy in his life. You know, he's trying to convince himself that, that Ivy isn't the one that got away. I guess he does love Grace. He loves her a lot. Yeah. I think it's different. I don't, I don't think it was like a deep, super deep, passionate love. I think Grace soothed him in a time when he needed soothing. I think he, she is such a sweet, genuine soul. And also she was like charity. She was like a injured bird. She didn't remember anything. He had to take care of her. It's very different. Like, I don't know. It's just very different. But anyway, after Sam leaves, Julian back at the mansion with Ivy, he continues to badger Ivy saying, I was right, wasn't I? You can't stand the idea of Ethan in his new position as liaison to the police department. And he was like, don't worry, he won't be jumping into the line of fire or anything. Julian then says something about Ethan's crane instincts. And this sets Ivy off. She's like, you know what, Julian? I would like to talk to you about Ethan's crane instincts. But then she sees Pilar like behind Julian shaking her head like, no. (laughs) <laughs> and she she pulls back and she doesn't say any she doesn't say anything she she stops short of revealing the truth to julian she was about to tell him yeah she was about to drop a bomb on everyone <laughs> ridiculous but then julian tells her that alistair is headed back to harmony and he's not too happy with sheridan right now mm. and ivy says how would he know how would he know what's going on with sheridan he hasn't been here and julian's like don't be absurd You and I both know there are no secrets from father. He knows everything that goes on in all of our lives. How? Wait a minute. I don't know. But Julian then leaves. And Ivy says to herself, she goes, thank God there's some secrets even Alistair doesn't know about. And I thought, okay, girl, here's the thing. I think Alistair does know. That's bad, but that's bad for his family. That's bad publicity. So he's just keeping it under wraps. I think he fucking knows. Oh, shit. I think he is well aware. I feel like they would not have written that line where Julian says, father knows everything. And mm-hmm. then right after that, Ivy's going, thank God he doesn't know my secret. Bitch, what? We, he, we just found out this is a thing we know about Alistair. He knows everybody's secrets in this house. Mm. He has spies. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we find out later on in later episodes um, this week, we see how like Julian works when he goes right. to the funeral parlor right. and all of that. We see how there are these people that that report directly back to yeah. well, any of the crane males. They're operating are, like a like a mob boss, like, yeah. a, like a mafia leader, you know, 
getting people, uh, getting people, what am I trying to say? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. There's a chain of command, yeah, basically. And a, a chain of uh, bribery. Yeah. So anyway, after Julian goes in and, and Pilar, not Pilar, what's this woman's name? Ivy. Ivy. <laughs> and Ivy says this bullshit about, at least he doesn't know my secret. Then Pilar comes and again tells Ivy, never tell anyone about this secret. Like, you got to keep it to your fucking self. And part of me wonders, I've been, I've got some one, I've been wondering about Pilar this, these last few episodes. Mm -hmm. She's been intriguing me a little bit. And I, I think that I'm probably wrong in what I, in what I think is happening. I think it's just what I want to be happening, but this isn't Pilar's character. But I think, or what I want, is that Pilar knows everybody's secrets and somehow it affects her secret with her husband Mm -hmm. and she needs all of the secrets to stay buried. You know what? So at first, I really thought that up until basically these episodes, that's what I 100% thought was going on. But we learn throughout these episodes, 91 through 95, that Pilar just doesn't know anything. Yeah. Like she knows a couple things, but I don't think that it's all intertwined the way that I would like for it to be. I wonder if Pilar knows more than she knows she knows, if that makes sense. Like if there's one little clue that once she puts it in between all of these different secrets, she'll be like, oh, oh. Maybe. (laughs) Because she knows a lot, a lot of different, she knows a little about a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. basically. And I've, I, Pilar's the key. Yeah. I think Pilar's the key. I I I want her to be the key. I, yeah, I want her to be. I've thought that, but if she, if she is, she is unknowingly so. Mm-hmm. I I think. I agree. Yeah. I just want her to. I agree. Of course, Pilar is not lying. They say Pilar can't lie. They say it flat out. Pilar doesn't lie. But yeah. you don't lie, Pilar. But you always tell the truth. You always tell the truth. Honest so, Abe. Let's. Yes. Let's talk about what happens inside the mansion once people return inside because Sheridan is looking for stamps in the living room, uh, much like Ethan was looking for stamps in his mother's dresser drawer. So Sheridan is looking for stamps in the, in the living room and being in there brings on another flashback. But this time she's interrupted by Julian because he sees her and he is so indelicate and so mean and says, it's time to face the music sister dear. Horrible. And uh, Sheridan jumps is like, dude, don't creep up on me. And his response to that is yelling at her. Uh, he tells her to drop it, forget whatever is bothering her, and says, quote, it never happened. Mm-hmm. And she defends herself and says, I was a child, but I still know what I saw. I lived through this. I know what I did. You're telling me to forget a bloody corpse lying under a sheet. How can I forget that? And Julian begins a campaign, or I guess continues a, a, a lifelong campaign of trying to convince Sheridan that she's crazy. And it's really awful to watch. It's horrible. Well, and first he talks about their mother. Oh, they have the same mom. Well, we learned that. Oh, yeah. Remember, because before we, I don't know if you remember. But I remember, were, yeah. Months ago, we were wondering if they have the same mother. And yeah, they do. They do. It turns out they do have the same mother who died. Um, but Alistair starts talking about how Sheridan's kind of psychosis kind of all stems from the fact that she feels guilty because she feels like Alistair blamed her for their mother's eventual death. And the way they phrased this was weird. Yeah. So they, they were trying to go with mother died in childbirth, but they didn't 
go with that because they had already Mm -hmm. established that she didn't die in childbirth. So what they kind of did was mother was really ill ever since giving birth to you. And that, and like, that is what eventually caused her to die is like a lingering malaise (laughs) or something from, from, but it's thin. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It, it, yeah, it was just weird the way it was phrased. And then they say that their mom did die when Sheridan was an infant. However, Sheridan's like, I remember mother loving me. Do, do you? I right. thought you died when she. I thought, I thought she died when you were an infant. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was very odd. But well, because told, she says that she was in an emotionally fragile state because her mother had just died, and Sheridan was not an infant in these flashbacks mm-hmm. that we see. She was. I don't know what you eight, nine, ten. So maybe he's using the word infant to mean a child. You were just a child, an infant. But not literal, not a literal infant. Well, that's what I'm saying, where they're trying to establish that she died because of complications from childbirth. But that simply isn't true. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't line up with what we already know as fact. Unless she had like years long postpartum. Which could exist. I mean, you know, that happens. Maybe that's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out, but probably not. Yeah. It doesn't seem, this doesn't seem like a detail that they care to expand upon. Yeah. Well, they're trying to give Sheridan a guilt complex and also give Alistair a reason to hate his daughter. And so this is what they've decided on, but it just doesn't work. But we have to go with it because that's what they did. Yeah. So they continue to go back and forth over what happened that night. Julian says um, Sheridan might be out of her mind. He starts to say, you you know, maybe you're a little crazy. I, I don't know. And Sheridan is understandably offended by the insinuation about her sanity. Like, she's like, you would go to any lengths to convince me that that night never happened. Why? Why? And Julian then says, well, father has expressed concern about your hold, your tenuous hold on reality as well. (laughs) He said, that's why he sent you to France in the first place. But it seems like that didn't work. Julian is gaslighting her and and it, I mean, explicitly like out loud. Well, he literally tells her, I'm not out of my mind, Sheridan, because she accuses him. He's, and he turns to her and says, I'm not out of my mind, Sheridan, but it's very possible you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he, and, and yes, he is explicitly gaslighting her because we know that he and Alistair have conspired to do this Mm -hmm. with the, with the intention of making her think that she is crazy person and she's not. Yeah, so Sheridan then accuses Julian of being afraid. She said, you're, you're afraid that I'll find out the truth about that night. But he continues with, there is no truth about that night. The family is worried about you and your bizarre behavior. I mean, he really, it was, it was, it was kind of hard to watch. Honestly, yeah. it made me so sad. Yeah. Because, and honestly, at this point, I was, I mean, I, we've been pretty sure that something did happen and we don't know what, but something happened and that she's not crazy. But at this point, when they were having this conversation, we didn't know that for sure yet. Mm-hmm. We found out immediately after though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so in this moment, I was like, oh, poor Sheridan, maybe, I mean, even I was like, oh no, maybe, maybe Sheridan is crazy. She started to doubt herself and I started to doubt her too. Well, I never doubted her. I, I knew I was like, no, cause it's been established that Sheridan's the good guy and Julian's the bad guy. Yeah. And so I'm like, no, he's lying to her. And, and like you said, he's trying to, he's gaslighting, gaslighting her. And, um, I just felt bad for her. I just felt really bad because the more we find out, it's just kind of filling out our understanding of Sheridan and how she was shipped off to Paris. And the family was told she was going to, to school she was going to a boarding school for education but in reality she was in the hands of a bunch of psychiatrists mm-hmm. so for her entire life she's been lied to and told that her she cannot trust her own mind or her own sanity 
it's really sad. I just feel I just it feel was, so bad. It for was her. very sad because he says he talks about her bizarre behavior and he cites the pie throwing and her fight with him to save Luis's job, which is not a bizarre behavior. No, she was doing the right thing. And he also tells her that he tattletailed to Big Daddy Crane all about it. And she is mad. She gets really annoyed that he ratted her out. And um, his response to her anger is, well, you know, Big Daddy Crane might lock you up and throw away the key if you don't knock off this nonsense and get it together and fall in line and do what you're supposed to do. He says, do not test Alistair. Mm. Mm. You know it's bad that his children are calling him by his first name. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's a bad, bad daddy crane Do, have right you, there. Have you ever seen um, the Jacksons in American Dream? No. Okay, so there's this movie that I used to watch all the time that used to come on VH1. It's like a long miniseries about the Jackson family. Um, and Joe Jackson required his children to call him Joe. Wow. Like they would get in trouble for calling him dad or father. Oh. Yeah. Joe and so and we all know how abusive right. Joe Jackson was. So yes, yeah, <laughs> that's a that is a red flag. Your kids are calling you by your first name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, man, it's terrifying. The depths of of the depravity in this family. I know uh, we haven't even reached the bottom. No, not anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so 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 Julian is threatening Sheridan. Is trying to convince her that she doesn't understand her own mind, and he says, "Knock it off. Stay away from your little police friend." And be careful because father's not going to step in and save you this time. Mm-hmm. So not only is he trying to, yeah, not only is he trying to convince her that she is misremembering that it was all like a figment of her imagination, but also that she almost destroyed the family because of it. And that it's only because of their abusive father that she was even able to live the life she's had thus far. Yeah. Most of which was basically being locked up in the funny farm. Yeah. And Sheridan actually smartly points out. If that night never happened, why are you so worried? Mm. Why are you so worried? If nothing ever happened, why are y'all so concerned? And he's like, well, we just don't want people speculating about the family. It's like, "Mm, okay. That doesn't seem, that doesn't track, but okay. But okay. You know, Um, so, you know, they have that, the sad, sad conversation. I also, and I don't know if you noticed this, and I might be wrong, Julian is terrified of Alistair oh yeah like he's terrified of Alistair and I think he feels sorry for Sheridan but he has to walk the line Mm -hmm. like he's scared of Alistair and I think he does have I think this exchange of him like don't test Alistair is really like he really will lock you up and I don't while I'm slimy and sleazy I don't want to see you get locked up I feel I feel like there's a little brotherly love behind it it's horrible it's awful but I also feel like Julian is an abused child too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so, and he, and there is a little bit of the protector in him where he's trying to look out for his little sister. Yeah. But I also think he's really miffed because she is starting to stand up to him. Mm. Oh, and, absolutely. And he is repeating the pattern that he saw as a child where now he's the head of the household and he gets to make all the decisions and he gets to do what he wants to do, especially because big daddy crane is out of the roost, you know, like he's, he's been gone on his business trip and Julian's been running the show. So I, I agree. There's probably some, some love somewhere behind it, but I think more than anything else, he's just repeating patterns. Yeah. Agreed. But, but yeah, so, uh, this conversation ends. Sheridan leaves. So let's continue with Julian. Yeah. We, we don't see him for a while, but we see him later in the evening. And I assume it's later in the evening because 
he's dressed like Hugh Hefner he's in, in his a smoking, smoking jacket and his loafers. <laughs> he's drinking brandy, going through the papers on his desk. It's like, so this must be after his like afternoon cognac or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's a playboy. And he receives another phone call from Alistair. And he talks to Alistair on speakerphone. Oh, yeah. It's, it's as, as if like. I don't know. Anyway, he talks to Alistair on speakerphone and they're talking about like really nefarious things and things that they don't like. They don't want Sheridan to hear these things. Why talk on speakerphone? Why does everybody on the bus talk on FaceTime or speakerphone? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like I walk around the streets and like everyone's just talking on speakerphone. Like p- put your head bun- your head buns, put your, <laughs> put your headphones on, put your earbuds in. Like everyone seems to want to talk about shit on speakerphone. So I guess it's not that weird. I didn't even note note it. Like it yeah. didn't even. I don't know. It was weird to me because it's all out loud. Yeah. I don't know. And there, it's an incriminating conversation that you're having in the middle of the living room on speakerphone. Like if he was in his study, it'd be different. He's yeah. in the living room at a desk doing work at a desk in the living room when he has a whole ass office. So I don't. I mean, whatever. I just. It's interesting where they set some of these scenes yeah, to me. It would have made more sense to be in the library for sure. I don't know why they didn't do that. It's I don't know. Anyway, so Alistair calls him and Julian tells him that he handled the Sheridan situation. He's like, it's it's handled. And then they laugh about Sheridan having a reality crisis. Yeah. He tells him that he told her that she imagined it all and that she was insane and that they might have to commit her to a loony bin. And he's, he, he laughs and says, I thought you'd be fine with that. And Alice is like, yeah, of course that's fine. And they say that the crane name and reputation must be protected at all costs, even if it means sacrificing Sheridan. That's their words, not mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And in the course of their conversation, it becomes abundantly clear that that night definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> and that they are absolutely trying to keep it covered up. Yeah. Period. Yep, they know that it's real. They know that they've kept it from most people, and they know that they've got to uh, basically break Sheridan apart and break her mind to save their reputation. Yeah. So enough. So then he they say again. They repeat that they the family must be protected, even if it means sacrificing Sheridan. This time, Ivy overhears it because of course she does. Course because you're does. on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. And in the living room. So Ivy comes in. She overhears that Alistair and Julian are planning to, quote, sacrifice Sheridan. Mm. And she goes, oh, what are you and Alistair up to now? How do you intend to sacrifice Sheridan? And Julian laughs it off and pretends like that wasn't what they said, even though it was loud and as clear as day. He, he laughs and is like, what on earth are you talking about? And then, And then they somehow start to talk about their fucking terrible marriage because it always goes to there whatever conversation they're having it starts off with tit for tat and then it turns into let's complain to each other about how much we don't like our marriage and then julian starts to talk about his needs and desires i could have done without that this whole scene (laughs) this whole scene i wrote one paragraph which is three sentences long and the final sentence is is ivy into this what is happening i guess that's two sentences girl so it was it was weird. I, I am so uncomfortable just thinking about it. They have a complicated relationship. That's what we're learning. It's more complicated than what we think it is. Apparently, they used to have a passionate love affair. I mean, they have four fucking kids. Yeah, they used to be like. Well, they have what? three. They have three well, kids. They have three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like, Julian says to her something about remember the past. Like, remember how we used to be? The fireworks would light up the sky. Mm-hmm. He's talk, they're talking about, he's talking about how passionate their sex life used to be. And he's kissing her neck and, and trying to seduce her. He and he's undressing her. To take off her clothes? Yeah. His and, clothes? And she seems kind of into it. Yeah. Like, that's what I, I was like. Is she into this? She seems kind of into it. And then she gives in. She gives in to Julian's, like, sexual seduction. He's like, so gross. He does the thing where, because it's his little desk in the living room, knocks all of the papers off the desk, pushes her onto the desk. They're making out. They're getting ready to go. And thank God the phone rang. Saved by the, saved by the fucking bell. Oh, my I, God. I was like, I did not want to watch that sex scene at all. I didn't. I No, I could not stand to let it go any further. No. It I was hard just, to watch. It was Ooh. hard to watch. And again, I was at school. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, if this, they start having sex, I have to turn this off. <laughs> Not that I was watching it with children or anything. I was in my classroom by myself with the door closed. All right, everyone. Yeah. It's all relaxed. I don't watch Passions in the middle of my classes. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably a good thing, too. You uh, probably should ha- have explained that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah all your students are just watching Passions. Can you imagine? How hilarious would that be, though? Can you imagine? How hilarious would that be? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it would be hilarious. It would be. Just my kids watching Passions. Oh. I watched Passions as a kid. I feel like it made me a better, stronger person. I didn't, and I feel like it made me a weak loser. Yeah, losers. <laughs> Only losers don't watch Passions at 10 years old. All right, so All let's right. go on. Okay. So, luckily, Saved by the Bell, it's a phone. He get, Julian gets a phone call. During that phone call, Ivy, of course, comes to her fucking senses. Thank goodness. And then I, um, and then Julian hangs up the phone. He's like, "Where were we? I, th- I think we were about here." You know, he's grabbing her, and she's like, "Don't touch me." <laughs> she rebuffs him, horde. Yeah, and he goes, "You know, it's only a matter of time before you come knocking on my door because you have needs and you need a man's touch." And uh, um, she makes a comment about waiting for the right man. Yeah, well, before <laughs> before that, he says she says um, he says it'll be just a matter of time before you come knocking on my door. And she's like, "Hold your breath, <laughs> <laughs> hold your breath." She wants oh, hilarious. I love Ivy. And yeah, and then she's like, "Has it ever occurred to you, Julian, that I'm waiting for the right man?" And Julian has a hearty laugh at this. Laughs nice and hard. He laughs at, about it, but then he gets very serious and basically is like, basically he threatens to divorce her if she ever takes another man to bed. Well, that's what he he's laughing about. He's like, you know, if you're ever unfaithful to me, I'll divorce you in a New York minute and you'll lose everything, including your precious Ethan. Even he wouldn't stand by you if you were unfaithful to me. Which doesn't make sense because he's constantly unfaithful to her. Yeah, that's absurd. It's ridiculous. Like the double standard here, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, well, Ivy has left the living room, right? She's standing out of Julian's view, but she can still hear him. And he's kind of yelling at her Mm. in the other room. And he's saying all these things. And she smiles, opens up her little locket, looks at it. And she goes, you are so wrong, Julian. You won't take anything from me. And she closes her locket and she takes her ass upstairs and goes to bed. (laughs) She good for you. Good for her. Good for her. Ivy and Julian. Yeah. So now should we talk about Sheridan? Sheridan. We must because she has had this awful conversation with Julian and she runs outside in tears 
and she's on her way back to her her safe haven, her little cottage. She's so upset by him, she can't even stay in the same house. She's on the property in her own little space. Yeah. Because he's so awful to her. Anyway, on her way, uh, Ethan spots her and sees just how upset she is and goes to console her. And she tells him about the confrontation that she had um, with Julian and that he says it's all a dream. It's an overactive imagination. None of it happened. And they have a conversation about about this whole night. Mm-hmm. And Ethan seems kind of doubtful. Well, he says, we got to get some evidence. Yeah. We got to get some facts. Cause I'm a, because I'm a hotshot lawyer, attorney, and I believe in facts. And let's do this like I would try a case. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, the only fact that I have is that I heard you scream. And it woke me up when I was a little kid. And I was told that you went to boarding school in Paris and that's it. That's all I know. And she says, well, it wasn't really a boarding school. It was more of a psych ward with a bunch of doctors telling me that I was crazy and nothing happened. And he said, okay, well, this is interesting news because that's not what I heard. Mm -hmm. So we get the whole story of Sheridan getting sent away to the French mental hospital. Again, Mm -hmm. we've heard this story a few times. Mm -hmm. And Ethan vows to get to the bottom of what what really happened that night. He's like, I'm going to help you with this. And I know how we can do this. We need to talk to my father. What an idiot. (laughs) He's (laughs) such an idiot. (laughs) So Ethan and Sheridan waltz on over to the Crane Mansion and walk in on Julian having yet another conversation with Alistair on fucking speakerphone. (laughs) God, these cranes are so stupid. And they overhear the, an incriminating piece of information. They overhear Julian say, I'll make sure this thing stays hidden forever. Yeah. And Ethan walks in. What has to stay hidden forever? Father. Oh my gosh. And Julian stalls a little bit, but then Sheridan's had enough. And she says, I know the sound of my own father's voice. I know you're on the phone with Alistair. Like, just tell me what's going on. Yeah. And so Julian says that he and Alistair were just discussing how to keep the press from ever finding out about her stay in the mental hospital in France, which happened years ago. So that is a terrible, terrible lie. It's a dumb lie. If you were trying to cover that up, it's covered up. Nobody knows about it. It happened two decades ago. Right. Uh, What? And then Julian and Sheridan have the same argument again, but this time Ethan is there to back her, back Sheridan up, you Mm -hmm. know? So they do the same Him saying, you're crazy, that night never happened. She's saying, I remember a dead body. Like, I don't think I'm crazy. I had blood on my hands. I was right here. They do the same back and forth. But he, I think he doubles down and he uses that classic male language of telling women that they are dramatic and emotional and irrational and spins this web of lies to basically make her feel that because because she is a woman, she can't possibly be right. Mm -hmm. It's really gross. Then they have this little exchange, which was also really stupid, where Julian tells Sheridan, he goes, you're unbalanced, Sheridan. You've always been a little off. And she goes, then why... Why didn't anyone ever tell me about what happened until now? Because he goes and he goes back and says, this is what happened. You were asleep on the couch and you woke up screaming and father uh, took you to your room. You were screaming about a dead body, but there was no dead body and nobody knew what you were screaming about. Nobody understood what was going on. And so that's why we sent you away. And then she's like, well, if that's what happened, then why didn't anybody tell me? That that's what happened. All these years, nobody has told me anything. That's a new piece of information, I feel like. I feel like they hadn't been telling her this story before. I think this is a new story that she just woke up and was asleep, right? And had a bad dream. Like, they had said she had a bad dream, but the whole screaming and the she 
was hysterical and that's kind of new information I feel like yeah the way the way he told the story was new mm-hmm. and so she was like well why didn't anybody and we were all really concerned for you Sheridan and yeah we do that we did this because we love you yeah mm-hmm. and so Julian says she asks why no one told her that that night never happened I, I, I'm also really confused about this because were they telling her the night never happened or not because then he says the doctors told them not to challenge her beliefs because she was fragile and might suffer a lifetime of emotional harm. What do you, I don't understand what you're asking. I am confused about what the what the original story was for Sheridan. What mm-hmm. they told Sheridan in the first place when they sent her away. Did they tell her anything? Like, did they say to her this was all a dream or was it the doctors that told her it was all a dream? I think it was the doctors. Okay. Because because I, I feel like I remember her saying, I don't know why I was sent away. You know, like, I don't know. Like, like her, basically, like, it happened at that, and then the next morning she was shipped off. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I don't have any answers. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know, like, why no one will talk to me. I think they kind of left it up to the doctors and then just never discussed it with the family. Yeah. So Julian says the doctors told them not to challenge her beliefs because she was fragile and might suffer a lifetime of emotional harm, which is ridiculous because you don't just lie to children. Right. (laughs) That is emotionally harmful to them. Yeah. So there you go. But then Ethan correctly points out that Sheridan has been grown for years. Why hasn't anybody told her in the years since? She's been wondering for years. She's been avoiding the living room for two decades like yeah i mean she fled to paris to get away from the house yeah so julian says as long as the story didn't get out the family just didn't care and sheridan's like you mean the family just didn't care about me and Ju- and julian's like don't be so dramatic yeah that's again yeah back with the don't be so dramatic and then starts to pit her against the entire family and says because she insisted it did happen. He said, well, would you bet your life on it? Mm. Would you bet your family's life on it? Because that's what you're doing. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to, to, to threaten to ruin everybody? So he starts to kind of escalate and blow, blow up the, the, um, raise the stakes, I guess. Yeah. Because right now it's kind of him versus her and her, and then her versus her memory. And he's like, well, I, I need to expand this and raise the stakes so that she stops pushing back. Basically. He's really mean to her. He says he's awful. He says, um, she needs to get on with her life and stop using a ridiculous childhood fantasy as a crutch to justify a lifetime of failures and disastrous relationships. Quote. I wrote that down too. Cause it was way harsh. It was so fucking mean. And after he says that Sheridan is a little defeated and she's like, maybe, maybe my brother is right after cause Julian leaves a lifetime of failures and disastrous relationships, yeah. a lifetime of failures. She, she, that Ugh. was so mean. So she's really sad, kind of downtrodden. And, and again, she is doubting herself. This is working. The gaslighting is working. Yeah, it is. And um, she's like, maybe my brother is right after he, after Julian leaves. And then Ethan offers to take her to dinner in town. Guess where they're going? Oh, uh, the Lobster Shack. Lobster Shack, baby. Lobster Shack, baby. Lobster Shack, baby. Lobster Shack. Hey, hey. Lobster Shack, baby. Lobster Shack. Hey, hey. Yeah. Everybody's going to Lobster Shack, actually. There's a lot of people at the Lobster Shack. We get, a, we get Lobster Shack part deux. <laughs> part deux. Part deux. <laughs> yeah, so... So she goes to the cottage to freshen up and kind of pull herself together after this horrible confrontation with her brother. And they're going to go to the lobster shack for a nice, a nice evening on the town. Oh yeah. And then after this was a good moment for Ethan, after Sheridan leaves, he sees Julian again and he tells Julian that he doesn't believe him. Yep. He says, I don't believe you. Maybe a few weeks ago I would have believed anything you said, but now I know how you think. 
Mm. It's like, I've learned a lot about you in the past, like, well, he's been there for a few months, but it wasn't until very recently that it all started to unravel and he started to find out just who Julian really is. Mm-hmm. And Ethan, and I'm sorry, Ethan. Ethan. And Julian tells Ethan, you know, look, she listens to you. Just talk her out of this ridiculous, these ridiculous ideas. Mm-hmm. Try to talk her out of it. Once Ethan leaves, Julian calls Alistair again and tells him that Sheridan will never cause them any problems again. <laughs> okay, Julian. <laughs> yeah. What? Right. What? Like, We're is... in the throes of a big problem. Sheridan never really caused them any problems. They caused their own problems yeah. and blamed it on Sheridan. Yeah. And Sheridan's going to come in and figure out that she is a victim in all this. And then she's going to stand up for herself, just like she's starting to do. I'm starting to really like Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Because the Sheridan at the beginning of this show was just like whiny and wimpy and sad and pathetic. And now... I understand why she was that way and why she was so desperate for a man to love her. And mm-hmm. that's the only way that she could feel fulfilled. Yeah. I, it makes sense. But I'm re- I, I'm so glad that she's like evolving. Yeah. Oh, me too. Because she was insufferable like Charity yeah. is now. Yeah. My God. So let's talk about Teresa and Ethan and Luis. And Hank and Whitney. And Hank and Whitney. <laughs> they have the, the hangers on. The friends that just get dragged into their their lunatic friends lives oh my gosh so remember ethan has shown up to Teresa's home knocked on the door and told her i'm here for you Teresa." he just keeps giving her the green light he just keeps that that spark of hope alive over and over and over again because she had just said i'm done i'm giving up on ethan she had just said it whitney had finally gotten through to her friend finally oh my god so he comes in, and while he come, when he comes in, through the back door, Luis is coming in. Yep, Ethan's on the threshold of the front door. Luis and Hank are coming in through the kitchen in the back. What's their driveway situation like, I wonder? Yeah. Right, because how did Luis not see Ethan's car? Because surely Ethan didn't walk to the Lopez Fitzgerald home. Maybe he took a Maybe car and he got had the off. driver drop him off. That's exactly what I was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, because this all this all occurred before the Julian Ethan or Julian Sheridan stuff at the house. Like right. this is like his morning. So maybe he got dropped off, went to the coffee shop. Okay. Went back to the house. I don't know. I'm making up a lot I can of buy things. That. We can, I, I can I can roll with that. Okay. I can roll with that. Right. I was just wondering. Okay. So Luis has come in through the back door with Hank. Ethan's in the living room with Teresa and Whitney. Um, and he tells Teresa that Sheridan told him about her running with Luis at the mansion earlier in the morning. And he says he's com- concerned about her and Pilar. And Teresa's like, look, my brother, his bark is worse than his bite. Like, don't worry about it. But Ethan goes on to say it's dangerous for her to continue working at the <laughs> crane mansion. And um, he says, but, and if this job is causing problems for your family, I feel terrible. And it seems like he's there to fire her. It does. And she gets all worse. She's like, you're not going to fire me again. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, no, you're here to fire me again, aren't you? <laughs> and I, I have to commend Ethan because he chooses a very adult solution, which should have been done from, from jump, in yep. my opinion. Yep. But he says, no, I'm not, I'm not here to fire you, Teresa. But I am here because I would like to speak to Luis and resolve the problem that we have instead of you sneaking around and lying to your brother. Yep. It's like, okay. Very adult, very, very responsible, very adult, makes complete sense. But Teresa tells him it won't work, which it won't. 
It won't. <laughs> it won't. She's them, right. It won't work and will actually only make things worse. And Whitney is in the background, like nodding her head in agreement. She's like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whitney's just like, yeah, Louise is a stubborn cow. Yeah. So she, Whitney backs her up and is like, Louise is not going to go for this at all. So meanwhile, while they're having this conversation in the living room, Hank and Louise are in the kitchen, one door apart from them. There's a wall separating these people. <laughs> and they're having their usual back and forth about the cranes. Louise says something about how if Ethan ever laid a finger on Teresa, he would kill him. And Hank says, quote, man, you've got a serious hate on for that guy, don't you? And that made me <laughs> laugh because it sounds, it's like he's, it's like a play on a serious hard on. You got for a that hate guy. on. You got a serious hate on for that guy, which it just made me laugh. Because <laughs> I've never heard that before. You've got a serious hate on for that person. Maybe the writers had heard hard on and like misinterpreted it as hate on. <laughs> Maybe. The same way that they didn't quite quote Smash Mouth correctly. God, I hope we get another Smash Mouth reference oh. at some point. I just like, I would die. I just love the idea of like a room full of old white people trying to write for like young teenagers who are like hip and cool you know what I mean and just like missing the mark every time trying to write for young people of color right 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 Chad Chad is like a music producer I don't think there's a world where that cool dude is quoting Smash Mouth (laughs) you know what I'm saying yes I do we're on the wrong episode let's let's get back to this episode but yeah I think this may just be another version of that where they were like oh he's got a hate on you got a real that's not that's not a thing that doesn't exist you got a serious hate on for that guy a hard hard on for that guy (laughs) I have a serious hard on for that guy (laughs) yeah Yeah, right yeah I think that's gotta be it anyway so they're having this back and forth about the cranes and they talk about Teresa being a dreamer and having a and that she wants to have a life of a crane but she's too young and impressionable to spend any time with Ethan because he's just gonna use her up yeah oh he just she he just wants a romp in the hay with her I do love Luis uh this one quote that he said Luis worries after his sister because quote she has a heart the size of Texas and a spirit that goes with it oh that's sweet sweet. (laughs) Luis it's like a nice way of saying she's a real handful (laughs) (laughs) and a spirit that goes with it. I loved that quote. that's excellent I I didn't even catch that so thank you for sharing you're so welcome. No, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, I should have okay. gone down. That's all right. Oh, well. Whatever. Okay. So, yeah, they continue talking about Louise. Hank tells Louise not to kill Teresa's dreams. And Louise says, um, you know, she needs to learn about hard work. The The cranes don't know anything about hard work. Blah, 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 whatever. And that he's just that Ethan's going to use Teresa for a role in the hay and then marry someone of his own social class. And I do love this moment because Hank basically looks at Louise and says, stop acting like her dad. Mm-hmm. You're her brother. You're not her father. Yeah. But Louise says Teresa doesn't have a father. So I have to stand in and look out for her. And Hank says that he tries too hard to fill his father's shoes. And Louise is like, well, somebody's got to do it. Does someone have to do it? Louise? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do it. Do, do you? You don't have to. Yeah. I think Teresa can. I think she would her, be make fine. Make some of her own choices. Yeah. I think she would be fine. Yeah. And then Louise goes, well, if I remember correctly, Sam was pretty hard on you. And Hank's like, yeah, look how good that turned out. And I'm, I'm a and, felon. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this man's on the FBI most wanted list. <laughs> yeah. Unbeknownst to Louise. Yeah. That didn't work out well. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting. But Louise says she'll thank me one day. And then he's like, I got to show, actually, there's something I want to show you in the living room. So in the living room, before they head into the living room, uh, in the living room, 
Ethan is not listening to Teresa and Whitney telling him, no, please don't talk to Luis. Please just fucking leave now. <laughs> you can't be here. Ethan just does what he wants when he wants. And then he's like, well, I'm a lawyer and I can handle Luis. Ugh. <laughs> Why do they keep bringing up that he's a lawyer? They brought it up a lot in this series of episodes. And at one point I have a specific thing I want to talk about, but okay. not right now. Okay. And in this moment, Whitney goes into the kitchen to go get a drink, right? She's like, does anybody want anything? I'm going to go get a drink. And they're like, no, thank you. And she walks into the kitchen and sees Luis and Hank standing there. And she's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> and I think we need we should remind ourselves that Whitney is a terrible liar. Horrible. She cannot think on her feet. Horrible. It's been proven time and time again. And this, this show, this interaction doesn't go well. This was ridiculous. <laughs> so she they're headed into the living room. And she stops them from going into the living room. She's like, hey, no, you can't go in there. And they're like, why not? And she's like, because there might be a gas leak. Girl, what? <laughs> oh, my God, Whitney. <laughs> because there might be a gas leak. And then she's like, can you check for it? When we were in here earlier, we, um, Teresa swore she smelled gas. And so they're just like sniffing around the living. I mean, sniffing around the kitchen for a gas leak. And she rushes into the living room to warn Teresa and Ethan. And at first... Ethan refuses to hide. Teresa's like, you got to hide now. <laughs> and I don't know why she says you got to hide instead of like leave. Well, oh, the reason was because Luis uh, is in the kitchen looking through stuff and he sends Hank out to the front door to check the gas oh, meter, oh, okay. which is okay. out in the front. So Ethan is trapped because he, Luis is on guard in the back uh, entrance exit and then Hank is out front at the basically near the front door. So he's like trapped like a rat in this house. Okay. That's why he can't That's leave. why she has to yeah. make him hide. Okay. So <laughs> he... She, they're, they're really trying to get him to hide. And eventually he is convinced to go hide in Teresa's room. And I, <laughs> I literally wrote, yikes. Hopefully she got rid of all her creepy photos of Ethan with Gwen scratched out. I know. I wrote the same thing. I was like, oh my God, they're going to send her into her room or send him into her room. Oh my God. This isn't going to go well for her. Well, luckily we do remember she got rid of a lot. She remember her room was plastered. plastered. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Crane's pictures. And a lot of them had Gwen scratched out of them like a psychopath yeah. would do. Oh, yeah. my God. But remember, she did get one of the 95 times where she says she was going to give up Ethan. She got rid of the pictures. Right, right. I don't remember which time it was, but she got rid of a lot of the pictures. There's still one or two up. Well, she recently started her habit her again. Her crusade. She, she, well, she recently started up on the juice again. Right, right. You know, and started cutting them out again. Oh, so, God. Um, he finally goes into her room to hide mm -hmm. and Luis, Luis and Hank come into the living room just in time for Ethan to get out. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, they miss him and they ask what's going on because there's no sign of a gas leak. What is going on? And Luis says, you know, I don't have any, see any sign of a gas leak, but just to be safe, I'm going to check the gas, gas valves. And where are the gas valves lo and, located? Well, and Teresa's like, great. Where are they outside? And he, and he's like, no, they're in the closet in your bedroom. Please. Why? Please. Why? It, it's so silly. I mean, maybe her bedroom's an add-on. Yeah, like the utility closet was on the outside of the house, and then they just... Yeah, maybe there's like a utility put closet, a room on for her. added on her bedroom. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. It, you know why? Because... Because they needed it they to be. They needed it to be. Mm -hmm. Because they needed it to be. Yeah. That's why. So Teresa starts getting really shifty, and she's like, oh, no, you can't go in my room. And Hank's like... Hank makes a joke about, oh, maybe she's hiding a guy in there. And he's totally being facetious, <laughs> but it's also totally real. Completely true. The, <laughs> the one guy in the world that 
if found in Teresa's room, would likely be murdered. Oh, like, yeah. you know. Well, you know how quick Luis is to pull that gun out. Yeah. Yeah, we know. He's trigger happy. Mm-hmm. So Wendy and Teresa, like, laugh off this idea of a guy being in her room. And Luis is like, did you smell gas or not? <laughs> he's, he's like... <laughs> annoyed and frustrated he's like ha 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 ha. did you smell gas or not what is going on you know (laughs) and she says no it was more of a sulfur smell coming from mama's bathroom and that there must be a problem with the septic tank so Luis goes to check Pilar's bathroom and yeah they go to check the bathroom there's a sulfur smell yeah yeah but wouldn't you smell it you would think so I don't know I again they're just like it's just hijinks so the so Hank and Luis are in the bathroom and at this point, I think Whitney and Teresa rush to Whitney's room or to well, Teresa's room. Teresa has a the re, the exact same realization I fucking had five minutes ago, which is, wait a minute, there are pictures of Ethan in my room. <laughs> <laughs> He's in my room. He'll know I'm in love with him. We gotta get back there. So they head back there, but in his in her room, Ethan is like pacing back and forth, and we see this picture of Ethan on Teresa's mirror on her dresser it's like taped up there and he doesn't see it he just doesn't see it and then he sits down on the bed and he picks up a little book and he's flipping through it and Teresa and Whitney rush in to get Ethan and Ethan's sitting there and he looks up and he says you've been keeping a secret from me haven't you Teresa Teresa thinks she's caught Teresa thinks she's caught so she launches into this fucking explanation oh my god which I was like dying it's like Teresa shut the fuck up (laughs) just shut up just don't admit it don't talk about it and yeah she starts to explain but of course they're talking about two completely different things well she launches into this explanation and, and without knowing what the problem is really and she says how do you explain love Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) And she says, you know, I only cut out the pictures because I've always had a dream. And everyone told me that my dream was crazy. But you're here, aren't you? Teresa, shut the fuck up. (laughs) But Ethan is so goddamn dumb. He's like, yeah, I am here. And I'm glad I am. And she's like, you are? You're glad you came? You're glad that you're here in my house? But Ethan's such a dope. He's like, I'm glad I'm I'm here. Otherwise, I never would have known. God, Ethan. And she's like, oh, she thinks he has figured out that she's in love with him without her having to tell him. She she thinks everything's coming up roses for Teresa. But then we know these two people are not at all on the same page. Ethan had found her sketchbook. Yeah, she has some fashion designs, like sketches, but they're like sandwiched in between like a magazine. Yeah. So he's like flipping through the magazine and then he finds her sketches. And and he's super impressed by this. And he ta- and eventually she she catches on to what he's talking about because he's like, you're a talented designer. <laughs> yeah. And which also makes her happy. Yeah. Right? She, he, he praises her and says, you're so talented. This makes me even more determined to talk to your brother because you're so talented that a job with my mother is going to be extremely beneficial to you and help you so much. And you're so talented. I cannot let your brother stand in the way of your dreams when you could be so amazing. He tells her that one day she'll be famous. Yep. And he tells her not to let anyone get in your way. Follow your dreams. Yep. Yep. Follow your dreams. Yep. And he's talking about clothes. And she and she's thinking about him. Uh-huh. He's her dream. Yeah, and she's going to follow him. You are. I will follow him. <laughs> follow him wherever he may go. 
You know that? I don't know it's that. From what is that? Sister Act. Well, it's not from Sister Act. It's a well, it is from Sister Act. Oh, you never seen Sister? Oh, Act? Oh, I've seen Sister Act. Gotta but, watch that. But I don't remember that that number. Anyway, um, yeah. So he tells her to follow her dreams, and Teresa is all starry eyed and has forgotten the fact that she's in a big, 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 big pickle. She's in big trouble. And Whitney has not forgotten this. Whitney's like, frantically, you got to get out of here. <laughs> she frantically tries to get Ethan to leave, but Ethan still wants to talk to Luis. Yeah. He's like, I have to. He's like, I'm not going to let her brother's obsession with my family stop her. Okay. But after the girls beg, beg, beg this man to leave, he finally's like, fine, I'll go. I'll leave. But just as he's about to leave, Luis enters hot. He comes in hot. I mean, he's always hot. But he comes in as, as Ethan is about to leave, and he goes, what the hell are you doing in my house? That's a good, that's a good quote, too. Oh, I didn't write that down. That is a good quote. What, what the, the hell, hell are you, you doing, doing in my, my house? house? Mm-hmm. That would be good. Yeah, and uh, Ethan says, I'm here because I've been appointed to the police board, and I want to speak with you about working past our animosity. I want to make sure that it doesn't interfere with our working relationship. And Louis says, sure, no problem. Next time, keep this kind of business at the police department because only invited guests are allowed in this home, and you have not been invited. So kindly, uh, please fuck off. Yeah. Ethan tries to shake his hand, and and Luis won't shake his hand. Yeah. And he says, I know how to keep my personal feelings out of my work. And he promptly shows Ethan the fucking door. Yeah. He's like, there's the door. Don't use let it, it hit you on your way out. There's the door. Please use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Luis once again walks over to Teresa and warns her, do I have to warn you about the, the cranes again? Like, do we have to have this conversation again? And she's like, no, Luis, no. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing. He was here for you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely not here for me. Yeah. He's definitely for, here for you. Yeah, he didn't walk into the door and say, I'm here for you, Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so after Luis goes back into the kitchen, Teresa runs out after Ethan and thanks him for not giving her up and saying and not having the conversation that he originally wanted to have with Luis. And Ethan says the correct thing, which is, you know, Teresa, eventually the truth will out. Mm. Eventually he's going to find out. Mm-hmm. One way or the other. It's just a question of do you want it to be messy or do you want it to just, to, I mean, it's going to be messy either way, but do you want it to be like disastrous or can we just sit down and have a conversation about it? Yeah. You know, that would be the easier, more logical choice, but that's not the road Teresa's going down. She never makes the logical choice. Hmm. That wouldn't make her Teresa. My baby. I love her. <laughs> oh man. So I think we should just wrap this up a little bit with, Luis and Hank back in the kitchen mm-hmm. uh, because Hank is asking Luis, like, what was all that about, dude? Like, you didn't have to be that harsh. And he snaps at Hank and says, haven't you ever hated anyone so much it was beyond reason? Alistair Crane caused my family a lot of pain. And Ethan could do the same thing only this time to Teresa. Mm-hmm. So again, we're, Luis is reiterating how much he hates the Cranes, why he hates them, and uh, why he's worried about Teresa and Ethan. Yep. And it's a reasonable, it is a yeah. reasonable, yeah, reasonable concern. Absolutely. It really, truly is. Yeah. And so Hank leaves, I guess Whitney and Teresa leave because we see Pilar come into the kitchen uh, and find Luis a little bit later in the day. And uh, <laughs> poor Pilar. This is a long day of her basically trying to keep the cranes from disaster. Honey, every day for Pilar is a <laughs> long day. I feel so bad for her. She has these crazy fucking kids. Look at what's going on with her goddamn kids. Yeah. I mean- Luis is Luis is on like a suicide mission with the cranes. Yeah, really. I mean, they will kill him. We I, I'm certain of that. Mm. Um, 
Teresa is obsessed with Ethan to the point that she stalked him and is now working in his home and he and trying actively trying to break him up from his engagement. And she's in high school. And Miguel or should be. And Miguel is wrapped up with this little bitch who can't remember shit <laughs> who, and is constantly talking like is now being possessed by angels and shit. Yeah. You know, they got a lot of the Pilar's got a lot going on. And then on top of that, she's a surrogate mother to Sheridan. And Ethan. Right. And Sheridan and is having Ivy. all of these fucking horrible... And Ivy. Yeah. And Sheridan is having all of these horrible flashbacks. Yeah. Doesn't know if she's a murderer or not. Pilar is basically barely keeping people together. And she is exhausted. And she gets home and Luis can see it. And he goes, you work too hard. You're the best mom. I love you. Why don't we go out? Let me take you out to the lobster shack. We can have a nice dinner. Uh, and and just kind of just kind of relax a little bit. Yeah. Let's relax. So they go to the lobster shack. Later. Oh, well, before beforehand, that. Pilar's like, that sounds lovely. But before we do that, I want to light the candles for your father and your brother and say my prayer. And Luis gets mad. He gets really mad at her and basically tries to start a fight. But Pilar is too tired to fight with him and basically is like, I'm going to do this. This is what I do. I pray for Martin. I pray for our my son. And I light my candles because one day I want them to come home and return to us. She's like, I don't care what you have to say about it. Let me do, let me do my thing. Yeah. Let me do let my me thing do my before thing. we go. My thang it thang. Mm-hmm. Wong, wong, thang it, do your thang it thang. Um, yeah, she, she says, you know, and you know, where does, where does Luis get off telling his mom how to grieve right. her fucking son and her fucking husband? Yeah. Where does he get off? Like you do you, I'm going to do me. However the fuck I do me. Luis has some control issues, obviously. That, like, that it, was annoying, but it, it's come, it's coming out in his family dynamics, but you see it in his work stuff too. Like he has, he has some pretty major control issues and it's probably due to like this abandonment stuff that he's dealing with. But, yeah. um, but, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like where does he get off thinking that he gets to behave this way? Yeah. Like he's a, he's her child. Mm-hmm. You are the child, yeah. not me. Yeah. All right. So shall we go to the lobster shack? Let's go to the lobster shack, baby. Lobster shack, baby. baby. I bought me a car and, and it's as big as a lobster. <laughs> <laughs> the lobster shack, the lobster shack is a little old place where mm-hmm. we can get some scattered. Lobster shack, baby. Lobster shack, baby. I started singing like the real words. Yes, you did. That's okay. My brain. We're, we're improving. What are we're we just, doing? We're just doing it What's here. happening we're in just... my brain? All right. All right, so we're at the Lobster Shack now, the fanciest place in town. The only place you can get Lobster Newbert. <laughs> lobster Uber. I thought she said Lobster Uber. Oh, Newberg? Newberg? I think it was Newberg. I think so. I said Newbert. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's what I should make next. Where is, I should look, I need to write that down. I should make a Lobster Newbert. Uber. A Newberg. <laughs> I should make a Lobster Uber. I'm going to make Lobster Uber. I'm going to make a Lobster and attach some wheels to it and drive lobster someone. Lobster Uber. I'm going to see this later and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> lobster Uber. Lobster Uber. Is that when you just are a lobster and you take an Uber somewhere? Or is it a lobster driving an Uber? Oh, shit. An Uber driver in a lobster costume. Or is it like the, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile yes. where the car just looks like a lobster? Yes. It's, it we, could be any of those things. Yes. Yeah. They're all, it's all of those things and none of those things at the same time. Correct. All right. Moving to the lobster shack. Who should we talk about at the lobster shack first? Should we say who's all at the lobster shack? Yeah. Let's kind of go in order of arrival. Okay. Okay. So Sam and Grace are the first to pop up at the lobster shack for their little romantic date. They have such a romantic date. Sam is amazing. He recites a love poem to her. I think that he wrote. 
Oh, I didn't write that down. Oh, well, he does say a poem to her. That's he sweet. Her, oh, it was so fucking sweet. And he gives her a gift. He yeah, gives he her, gives her a ring. So I, I think what I wrote it down. Where is it? He gives her. Um, oh, it's her her mother ring, which mm-hmm. I guess is a thing I didn't know mm-hmm. about. But then for each child, you get like a new stone in the ring, and he had it updated to include a stone for charity. charity. Yeah, because um, we gave my mom like a necklace that had all of our birthstones in it. It's like a whole thing. Okay, lots of people do that. But yeah, so it it's a ring with all their birthstones, and he added charities. I think but that's so Sam sweet. Is the, Sam is. The best person on this show. He's an excellent human being. I love him. Yeah. I wrote that. I love him. Grace is too. They're, Grace is great. They make, they really make sense together. They really do. Oh, I love them. They have such a beautiful life. Why is Ivy trying to wreck it? Yeah. Because she doesn't have a beautiful life. And, no. she, and if she can't have it, she doesn't want anybody else yep. to. She's dangerous, that so, woman. So they're there on their romantic date. And then even TC show up and uh, everybody's in the mood for some romance and some seafood. Yeah. It looks like. And. They talk about Charity. Grace tells Eve that Charity's memory had a little memory and um, says she feels like something just isn't right, though. So that's an interesting little tidbit because Grace is right. Something is not right. And And we will get there. We will get there. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, Grace and Charity must have some kind of connection because they both have these powers and neither one knows about it yet. Right? Um, And Faith was that link. So I think that there, I think that Grace has like a sixth sense, but I also think in some way she's connected to mm-hmm. charity, like, I don't know, telepathically or something. Yeah. I mean, she also it's like she has ESPN or something or something. <laughs> it, I can tell when it's raining 30%. What did you say? Like 80% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, she, oh, about the ESP or whatever, the connection to charity. Yeah. I can't decide if it's a connection to charity or if it's like that angel giving her, feelings Mm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like telling her you should feel this way because why is she so why would she be I understand why she would be so linked to faith because they were identical twins but why would she be so linked to charity and not her daughters why aren't they witches yeah why don't they have the powers I don't know maybe because Sam isn't a warlock maybe charity's father was a a man witch (laughs) (laughs) he's a man witch he's a man witch Oh, I, don't I don't know. know. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, that's the only thing that's confusing me about that is that Char- why, why does Charity get to have powers and not the other girls? Can you imagine if Kay had powers? I want Kay, I want <laughs> Kay to have powers. She'd be the truest villain. I want these girls to like realize they have powers and go toe-to-toe with each other. Ooh. Yeah. I need a cr- the craft type of situation, okay? We need to watch that movie. Oh, yeah, we have to because I, do. I, don't, I don't know the reference. All right. Anyway, so who else shows up to the Lobster Check after even TC. Why Luis and Pilar come in Mm -hmm. and Luis, they stop in and say, hi, Luis. Thanks Sam for standing up to Julian on his behalf. And then he goes to the table with his mom and Luis tells Pilar that Sheridan almost cost him his job, which is false. The opposite happened. That's not true at all. The opposite happened. And he tells Pilar the story. And, uh, I, 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 I don't know. We don't see him tell her the story. Did he tell her the truth? Yeah, he definitely told her the truth. It's just from his perspective, Sheridan almost cost him his job. Yeah, well, I, and we know what his perspective is. Luis cannot, he is incapable of, at at this point, giving any credit to any cranes, period. Mm -hmm. Period. So the way that he shapes the story is, I would, I never would have even been in that room had she not thrown the pie at my face. Right. That's the, that's the shape of the story for well, him. You know what I mean? And it leaves out a major detail, yeah. which is that she went to 
to bat for him when she absolutely did not have to. And she actually probably caused some ten. Well, she definitely caused a lot of tension within her own family in her for her own self and her life. You know, yeah. she made a problem. She made a problem for herself. And the biggest reason that even happened is because when she did try to defend Luis originally, he shut her down. Yep. And shut her up. And so then she had to go and and do this whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so Luis, whatever. Luis tells Pilar what happened. And then Pilar tells Luis uh, that she feels bad that he has put his life on hold for the family. You know, she feels bad that he is working so hard to make detective to be able to put food on the table and pay their bills. And he says, you know, it's not a responsibility. It's okay. It's, this is just how it is. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And then they start talking about Martin's disappearance. Mm -hmm. And we, we go through Pilar's version of events, which is an interesting side of this. This was the moment where I was like, it seems like, and I don't know, but it seems like Pilar knows more than she is letting on. That's what I, well, we've talked about that before. We've talked about how Pilar doesn't lie, but she doesn't, she omits things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Pilar knows more information than she's letting on. Yeah. So because she defends Martin, she says, I knew something was wrong the morning he disappeared before he left for work. Something was troubling him. um, And I knew it when he kissed me goodbye before leaving for work. And I knew something was wrong. But I, could, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But I know that your father would never just leave this family. He did not just abandon us. She says he only left because of his love for his family. Mm. And which is one of the things that makes me feel like she knows a little bit more than she's letting on. She, def- I'm, she definitely does not know the whole story. Right. But she knows more, I think. I, it seems like she does. I think because so. Because how do you know he only left for the love of his family? How do you... like? I don't know. I don't know. I, well, it's just, it's interesting. I, the whole thing is odd because she's like, when he didn't come home at first, I thought nothing of it because he often would work late, but he would usually call me. So when midnight turned around and I hadn't heard anything, I called and, uh, couldn't get a hold of him. So I stayed up all night waiting. And then by the next morning when I hadn't heard anything and he hadn't come home, I knew I had to call the police. Yeah. And Louis said, yeah, I remember that. And then the detective did a really good investigation but Pilar says, well, what I, what you don't know is that the detective told me some dudes can't handle the pressure of having a family and then they leave. And she's like, but that's not what happened. We mm-hmm. were deeply in love. He was deeply committed to us. He and w- she believes he will return. And he will return. Yeah. 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 So she, there's more to this story that Pilar, that Pilar is aware of. And there's some reason there's for some reason she can't say anything. There has to be. Pilar has a secret and Pilar holds the keys to a lot of other secrets. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna see we'll we'll see we could be wrong we've been wrong before we've been wrong before but no we're not wrong i don't know well maybe we're wrong i don't know they they also try to trick us that's true that's true but i i love that we're finally getting into this a little bit more Mm because they dropped that little nugget like in episode two Mm -hmm. and then we haven't returned to it for almost 100 episodes (laughs) so i'm like okay finally we're gonna talk about this these two missing family members yep so while they're having this conversation, Ethan and Sheridan arrive to the lobster shack. Because they're in love. Uh, yeah, they're on their date. I called, in the rest of my notes, I talk about them on their date. Yeah. In all of my notes. I'm like, after their lovely date, <laughs> <laughs> they're, on a, they're on a romantic date. Yes, they are. Um, uh, they arrive. Ethan immediately spots Luis and is like, uh, Sheridan, are you sure you want to be here? We can go somewhere else. We don't need to be here. And she's like, no, no, it's okay. And then at the same time, Pilar and Luis see them come in. And Pilar tells Luis that he needs to go thank Sheridan for saving his ass. Mm-hmm. So Sheridan and Ethan are sitting down at dinner. And they're discussing what Julian told her and trying to figure out what could have happened that night. Right? They're just, yeah. question- they're just questioning everything at this point. Yeah, they're like, what was real and what was a nightmare? 
and Sheridan really just doesn't know what to think anymore. Like they really, they really played the long game with Sheridan's sanity. Like they really, this, this has been a long ongoing. I feel, I feel so bad for her. Did you ever read the, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo? Mm-mm, that series is no. a three, the series of three. So spoiler alert, if anyone is in the middle of reading those old books, I don't know, but basically we find out that the heroine in that story as a child, uh, came into some really like compromising information about an important asset. And so they did a similar thing with Sheridan where they shipped her off to like a psych- a psychiatric ward and like played with her mind and tried mm. to, tried to convince her that something was real that wasn't and tried to hide her away from the world and all this other stuff. And it really makes me think about what the family has done to Sheridan yeah. where they've just decided that she doesn't matter and they will break her and, and sacrifice her, her and sacrifice mm-hmm. her and, and, and yeah, just ruin her spirit and ruin her mind uh, for for themselves, yeah. for their own selfishness. So they're sitting there trying to work things out, right? And Ethan says he really hopes that it was all a dream. He really hopes it was all a bad dream. And Sheridan says that she can't go on with her life until she knows the truth. And then she says she wishes someone, someone could give her the answer she's been looking for. And then she realizes, she thinks, wait a minute. Pilar may know the answers to my questions. And so Ethan's like, well, maybe, but how are you going to talk to her? Cause Sheridan wants to talk to her. They know that she's there. She wants to talk to her right then and there when, I mean, you could wait till tomorrow. Yeah. She'll be there tomorrow at yeah. the house yeah. alone. Luis won't be there. Yeah. You could just wait till tomorrow, but she sends Ethan to distract Luis so that she can talk to Pilar. Mm-hmm. So Ethan goes over, asks Luis to come and talk to him outside and they go outside <laughs> and have uh, what is a hilarious exchange to me but let's not talk about that let's talk about (laughs) pilar and sheridan so what do they talk about what happens sheridan asks pilar to tell her the truth about that night and pilar is it's revealed to us that pilar wasn't actually there the night that it happened i had been under the assumption that she was in the house i was wrong so we find out that pilar went to the house the next morning and was told to stay away from Sheridan, who had been locked in her room. Mm-hmm. But Pilar didn't listen. She was like, mm-hmm. I had to check on you. So I came and checked on you, and you were in hysterics and talking about a dead body. Yeah. And, yeah, and a murder. And, that yeah, you had seen a dead body under a sheet. It had been placed into You had watched them place this body into a coffin. You had blood all over your hands. And so Pilar went downstairs to check and see if there was anything amiss, and nothing. She's like, I didn't see anything out of order. So... I don't know what to think. Well, she says when she was in the room with um, Sheridan, which she was not supposed to be, Alistair came in, was very angry, mm-hmm. and told her not to listen to anything that Sheridan was saying, that she had had a bad dream. And then we find out that Sheridan often had terrible nightmares. Yeah. And would often scream out in the night, and she would sleepwalk before this incident. Right. We saw her sleepwalk as an adult recently, like 20 episodes ago or something. Yeah. Um, and But we also find out that this is like a childhood affliction that has bothered her, you know, basically, I guess, since she could walk. Mm-hmm. And, and we find out that she used to have terrible night terrors and crying spells. And she was just a very disturbed sleeper as a child in general. Mm-hmm. And that started happening before this incident. So I want to know what led up to this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For Sheridan, because if these things are happening and she's crying and she's constantly terrified and she's having these horrible nightmares all the time, like what happened? Yeah. What was going on in, it, with Sheridan when she was really young? Yeah. Because that all led up to this incident with the, with the, the murder. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Julian says that she always felt guilty about their mother's 
death and all of this. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe. I don't know. Also, she was treated like shit. Yeah. That's, I yeah, mean, yeah, she was yeah. a child it's who wasn't getting house. any love. Yeah. Um. So Pilar tells her, I went down and checked. I didn't see anything. And so Sheridan's like, so you don't believe me either? And she's like, well, I don't know what to believe, she said. But all I know is... I told you to never tell anyone. I was very worried about you. So I made you promise never to repeat what you thought had happened to anyone outside the family. And Sheridan says, you know, I'm either a murderer or a lunatic. I know. She's like, I have to know the truth. And Pilar says, it's already taken up so much of your life. Don't let it take any more than it already has. Yeah. She says, perhaps it would be best if you listen to your brother. And again, I swear Pilar knows more than she's letting on. I swear she knows more about this than she's saying. It feels like she does. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. I know that it happened. I know that something happened. I don't believe that Sheridan actually committed the murder. Mm -hmm. I think she walked in on something, found something. And I, I, Pilar just seems a little bit shady. Yeah. I don't know. So while this is happening, Luis and Ethan are outside and Ethan's just rambling on and on. And Luis is like, you're, you're saying a lot of words, Crane, but you're not saying anything. What are you, why am I out here talking to you when I'm supposed to be having a nice dinner with my mama who has cleaned your house all fucking day? What do you want? You know? Mm-hmm. And then Ethan just says, well, I just want to make sure that our working relationship will be, won't be affected by our past unpleasantness and he's like well we ha- didn't we have this conversation this feels like deja vu <laughs> he's like this old chestnut yeah <laughs> and then he comes storming back in and he sees that shared he's like oh so you this is why you had me talk to you because you were trying to let her talk to my mom blah 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 don't you guys bother my mother enough while she's working at your fucking house <laughs> you got it's not it's not enough that she cleans your toilets you have to come and bother her while she's having dinner with her son it's a good point it is a it is a great point yeah it's a great point it's a good point so ethan and, and sheridan head back to their table louise sits down with pilar and pilar reminds her son that sheridan is a nice person he doesn't need to go off on her and that sheridan rose above her animosity to help louise and again reminds him i expect you to do the right thing son which yeah. is an apology because he owes her an apology he does and and a thank you and a, a thank, thank you. you yeah yeah and uh she also is like you know sheridan's had a very rough life because louise doesn't know about any of this right and to him she's just a spoiled pampered rich princess and we know he's kind of wrong about that yeah and but pilar knows that sheridan has been through the shit yeah she's been through a lot of shit that and he and she says you know she lost her mother that's something that money can't buy you know Mm -hmm. that you have a loving mother and she doesn't and never did you know, you have a loving family. She doesn't and never did. You know, mm-hmm. you give her a fucking break. Yeah. And so Louise actually goes over and thanks Sheridan. And then they somehow start to argue. Of course. But they finish strong. They finish strong. They, 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 well, it's a start. It's a start. Yeah. I um, I have some questions because mm-hmm. Sheridan does relay, like, the story that Pilar told her to Ethan. And he says something about... uh. That if Louise catches on to what they're talking about, he would accuse Sheridan of murder, whether there was a body or not. But like, if there's no complaint, if there's no report of a missing person and there's no body, you can't. No body, no case. Well, I mean, there are, there are, you know, there are murder cases with no body, but, but if you have no, there's no physical evidence at all whatsoever. Right. But if exactly, there's no physical evidence, there is no body. Right. You know, but also no one is complaining about a missing person. Right. Like there's like, there's no, I mean, except for Martin. There's a missing person. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm not saying he's the dead body. I don't. He definitely is not. Right. But 
that that but, is a missing person we talk but about. But that investigation was also closed, right? Like the, the detective said that they they had no leads or whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a cold case. I guess it's not closed. Yeah. But like, I just like, can they? There's no victim. Yeah. There's, there's no victim. Yeah. Like, how would Luis? Whatever. I just think I think it's just it's flimsy. Yeah. <laughs> but most things are. <laughs> so that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it at the Lobster Shack. At the, we return to a little scene with Grace and Sam after all this stuff. And Grace receives a phone call from Kay. Yeah. And it is disturbing. And we're going to talk about it after the break. After the break. All right. And we are back from our break. We took a little break. We ate some lunch. We're back. I had some delicious pho. I had some, I had my banh mi. We had Vietnamese food last night. It was so good. Mm-hmm. It was so good. This this banh mi was the best sandwich I've ever eaten in my entire life. And I've eaten a lot of sandwiches. I love sandwiches. I love how you intently like leaned into the microphone. Well, I, I love sandwiches. I, I do. I love sandwiches. They're so fucking good. That's why I'm fat. Something you want to sink your teeth into and just chew. Ugh. Yeah, when I really want to work at like chewing something, there's nothing better than a sandwich. Than a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you're, you know, your jaw just really wants to chew something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And a little oral fixation. Yeah. But yeah. I want to like work for it. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want like oatmeal. I want to chew. All right. So <laughs> that's a little bit about us. Now <laughs> let's move into passions. Let's go to the book cafe and yes. talk about what the kids have been doing. Yes. We, ha- we have so much charity shit to talk about today it, it's like so much and yet nothing nothing at and all. nothing at all because like i said like i said at the beginning this week started very strong and then literally everything fizzled but i do think that i'm hoping that the way we're telling the story makes it more interesting like we're we're not just going chronologically through it we're kind of just talking about what happens to the characters because if we went chronologically the first like two-thirds of this episode would be really great and then the last third would be really boring really boring really really boring all right so charity and miguel are sitting at the computer at the book cafe charity is being insufferable as always <laughs> oh how do you start a journal on the computer i don't know how to use the internet how do you spell internet? Oh, God, I can't stand her. Actually, it's more like this. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand computers. <laughs> <laughs> so he's helping her figure out how to start a live journal, basically. A Zanga. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Kay is in the background scheming on how to separate them. <laughs> Kay just stands in the corner and hates charity. That's yeah. all she does. Yeah. And then Simone defends charity. And then that's it. I'm and then in the corner. Watching you kiss her. Oh, <laughs> I keep hating on my own. Yep. <laughs> yep. Kay's just a hater. Anyway. Speaking about haterade. <laughs> okay, 1999. That's when this show came out. I'm right on brand. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on target. You're right on target. Okay. So she's scheming. How, to, how can I separate them? And talking at Simone. And then Chad comes in. And that takes Simone's attention away from Kay, which annoys Kay. Yeah, she gets pissed that Simone is paying attention to Chad and is like, can we please focus on me? Yeah, she's so terrible. So then these two girls have their usual back and forth. I feel like I say that a lot. They have their usual back and forth about how Kay's got to figure out how to keep Charity and Miguel apart. And Simone is saying, why? He doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't even write it down because I'm, there's no point in talking about it. Yeah. So, uh, but I did note that at the end of it, Simone basically tells Kay that she needs to back off. 
and that before she does anything with Miguel and Charity, she's going to have to deal with Reese because he made out with her at the dance last yeah. night. And also, he just walked in with like a Gerber daisy and gave yeah. it to Kay. He came in while they're having this back and forth and he gives her a flower. Reese. Reese. Oh, so Reese Reese said he, he said he saw it on his way to the book cafe and he and it was so pretty that it made him think of her. And Kay is such a bitch, she can't even be nice about getting a flower. She's an ass. Yeah, and and t- she says about Reese, the sweet boy that just gave her a little gift and she made out with last night, let's mm-hmm. not forget. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know that it was all some big mistake. And she says about him, he's a loser, a turkey, a flake, <laughs> she says to Simone. <laughs> that sound, like That would be the moment in a musical where they then do a musical number called loser turkey flake 100 yeah he's a loser a turkey a flake and then they tap dance <laughs> he's a loser Dana. he's Dana. a turkey Dana. he's a flaky turkey loser <laughs> some bad like <laughs> chicago yeah um no but you're absolutely right that's when you that's when you get like your something's rotten kind of lineup of tap dancing omelets mm-hmm. only it's a bunch <laughs> of like turkeys yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh that's funny so the girls are talking about Reese and she says all of this mean, these mean things about Reese when Chad interrupts and is like, hope you guys aren't talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he kind of heard them being mean and mm-hmm. was like, well, I need to give them a coffee order anyway. And also I can maybe break up this little rude fest. Yeah. And uh, Simone orders a coffee float. Yep. What's a coffee, a coffee float? I, I imagine it's the same thing as like a soda float, except with coffee instead of soda. Oh. Or an ice, I'm sorry, I imagine it's the same thing as like an ice cream float, yeah. it's, except with coffee instead, instead of, of ice cream. Oh. So maybe it's well, got like, it's not going to be ro- like pop and soda and coffee. coffee. No, it's going to yeah. be like ice cream and coffee or whipped cream and coffee. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It we could have like looked it up. Coke that, you and know, coffee. That's another thing we can make, a coffee float. I don't even like coffee. I don't like coffee. Yeah, we, don't, we don't drink coffee though. Let's just make some floats. Okay. Let's <laughs> just, just make, make a root beer floats. And like eat a coffee cake. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah. But so he comes in and takes their order and, uh, Kay orders a super black coffee with lots of caffeine. Like I just, what is she, is she just trying to be an adult and she, is this what this is? Well, she says she needs lots of caffeine to stay up and stay vigilant to keep an eye on those two. Like, that's what she says. That's what she, cause at first she doesn't order anything. She's like, no, I don't want anything. And then she's like, you know what? I need lots of caffeine so that I can stay alert and make sure that these two people can't get together. Mm. Oh my Kay's God. trash. Yeah. She's so trash, but mm. she's, yeah, she is. And Simone, she, I'm going to be honest. She almost had me for half a second this week, like for half a second. And it wasn't even her. It was just charity was getting on my fucking nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and for like half a second, I was like, am I team K? <laughs> yeah. Charity is, as you said, absolutely insufferable. Yeah. So Chad takes the orders and Simone wants to talk about him, but obviously Kay will only talk about herself versus charity. So that's, that's where they get stuck. And Kay, like, crushes the flower because she's so mad. Well, she's ripping it apart. She's like, oh, yeah, she's, she's destroying it pulling, on purpose. pulling the fucking petals off of it, ripping it apart as she's looking, staring down at Miguel and Charity and, and ripping it apart. This girl is a maniac. Utterly. She's a maniac. She's, she's a, a maniac. We were about to start in two very bad <laughs> She's a maniac, maniac with That's the flower. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't always work, you know? The telepathy is pretty good. Like, usually we figure it out, but occasionally that happens, and, you know. I was doing the actual lyrics. Yeah. I wasn't going to change it, spoof yeah. it. Because yeah. I felt like it didn't need any spoofing. She's a maniac, that's for sure. That we know. 
that we know. One thing, one thing we know for sure. <laughs> Kay is a fucking maniac. <laughs> the rest of this podcast is conjecture. Yeah, we we know we the one fact we have that I have am certain about. Mm. She's a maniac. Okay, so, so she's, she's pulling that flower apart, and Reese comes over to talk math homework. Oh, this okay. So this was funny <laughs> to me, right? Because. She's pulling the flower apart, and he's like, oh, no, what happened to the flower? And she's like, oh, I guess I didn't get it in, in water in time. Like, you pulled, it, it's ripped apart. And yeah. Reese is not an idiot. He's a really smart kid. Anyway, so then he offers to help her with her math homework and says that he's, like, one of the lucky few that enjoys trigonometry. And, <laughs> and she turns him down, saying that she and Simone are working on an important project. And I was like, girl, you better let this hottie do your math homework. Are you kidding? Yeah, right. Are you you kidding me? I wish. Kay is so, has such tunnel vision that she can't even help Reese help her. Like she could do nothing and sail through school. You know what I mean? Like she, she's, do you know how much I wish a handsome, because Reese is handsome. Yes, he is. Period. They put him in doofy glasses and, and like Hawaiian t-shirts, but he's not a bad looking But dude. I would have been over the moon in love with him in high school, first of all. Second mm. of all, a man looks like that and wants to do my math homework? And, Sign me up. And do it right? Sign me up. You're going to do my math homework and get the answers right? S- Sign me you know up. That would give me away. My teachers would know immediately. Yeah, I was like, like, she mm, didn't do this. No, <laughs> this isn't your work. This is not your work. A, you've shown your work. Yeah. <laughs> and, B, and B, the numbers are all in the correct order. This can't possibly be yours. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong on this page. This can't belong to you. All right. So she turns him down, So, which is stupid, but okay, girl. Meanwhile, Charity and Miguel are looking up things on the internet in hopes that oh this is what i'm like literally reading my notes verbatim and then i just hit a snag because my note says this meanwhile charity and miguel are looking up things on the internet in hopes that dot 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 honestly i don't know what these two are doing (laughs) (laughs) i I didn't so please tell me yeah so miguel is showing her how to start her online journal and miguel is hoping that this will bring a memory breakthrough for charity uh maybe if she starts talking about things and just kind of journaling her feelings and maybe something will come up and uh, then they dick around online some more. He, it, you know, he's excited about the possibilities, but also it's an excuse to spend time with yeah, her. Yeah, because he saw an article about somebody who got their memory back or some bullshit like that. And then, and that's why I was confused because I was like, I thought they were doing a journal thing. Why are they reading news articles? Are they searching for amnesia things? I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't write it down, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, but then, I. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh well, but then uh, Chad and Miguel talk a little bit because they're friends. Oh, I love this. And I love sweet. this little friendship. Me too. Yeah, Miguel goes over to the counter to order a couple of drinks for himself and his love, his lady love, and he asks Chad. He goes, "Hey man, do you have a, a copy of Cross My Heart back there?" And Chad's like, "I think I do. Uh, let me find it." He's like, "Yeah, that song's got a special meaning for me and Charity, and hopefully it'll help jog some memories for her." And then, and then. He has a flashback of them dancing in the middle of that like auto garage. You remember they oh, danced yes. to that song? And I, when I was watching, I was like, this is lasting for a long time to the point that I rewound it to see how fucking long it was. And it lasted for over a minute and a half. Oh my God. I wondered because I, this, this scene in particular, I felt like it was very slow. They relied on a lot of flashbacks to to material that we had seen before. So, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. That flashback of their lackluster dancing, no energy, no chemistry, nothing. Like, I, I, why show me, why show me 
this long ass flashback. Like, give me 20 seconds. We, we heard, get it. We, we fucking get it. We heard the entire song. The whole thing. It was a minute and a, it was over a minute and a half yeah. long. And the whole time it was just them swaying back and forth. It was nothing happened. Mm. It was so stupid. Mm. And they're terrible dancers. Yeah. I mean, it's no tango. No Sheridan exactly. Louise tango. That's now. There's a flashback I could be into. Yeah, I could get into that whole 15 minute tango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Chad plays the song, and Miguel goes up to Charity and asks her if it means anything to her. And at first, she doesn't recognize it, but then she starts to remember the song, uh, and that it makes her feel happy. There's like something familiar about it, but she can't quite put her finger on it. So this gives Miguel great some hope. hope. Yeah, there's yes. no actual memory surrounding it, but it, she does feel something. It's the warm like a, fuzzies. She's like, I like this song. It's a fine song, I guess. <laughs> it makes me feel nice. She sucks. <laughs> so then, while this is happening... Kay, like, bumps into Reese, and he knocks over a table, and and there's, like, a large, a loud crash and bang, and this triggers a memory for Charity. Okay, but the reason that this happens is because Kay sees what's going on. Uh-huh. This was intentional. She she bumped into Reese yes. on purpose? Yes, she did. Because oh. So Kay saw that Miguel and Charity were getting close, and it seemed that Charity might be on the verge of a breakthrough. Uh-huh. So Kay shoved her chair backwards from the table, which knocked into Reese, which flew him into the table and knocked everything over. Like oh, Kay, okay. Kay, Kay, was, uh, Kay was behind this yet again. She generally is. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, there, so the gla- like the glasses fell off of the table and shattered. The table got knocked over. There was a big sound. It was, yeah. And it was, it was quite disruptive. Yeah, and it triggers me- a memory for Charity of herself sleeping and hearing the fight between Faith and Tabitha on the night of the fire. And she starts to flip the fuck out. She starts to flip out. Yeah. As if the fire is happening to her right then and there in the middle of that restaurant all right like, charity is having a fit in the book cafe yeah, fits she and as everyone watches like yeah. yikes it was she was she was flipping the fu- no no Ooh, yeah i actually felt, i felt really bad for her because this moment you could tell was really traumatic and we will get there but she's help them we'll get there but there's a case to be made that maybe she should be sent to an asylum okay might be on to something <laughs> not, i'm not team k yet at all but, but who knows what the future holds? I, I, yeah. Mm. But this is okay. So I think this is interesting because we learned that Charity, um, although she was like asleep, she could hear the argument happening. She could hear a dog. Mm-hmm. She could hear uh, the broken glass from when the dog jumped through that window and broke the pane. So this answers some questions about how, why Tabitha is afraid, mm. what Charity might know. Mm-hmm. Maybe she remembers something, right? And th- because we have been like, how would Charity know? How would Charity know that how you are know? evil? How yeah. would she know what happened? Because we have not seen anything that would make me think that was even a remote possibility. Nothing. But now they've added this in and it's like, ah, okay. So she, so yeah. she, there's more to the story than we even knew. Yeah. Yeah. So this, what I actually laughed at this, I feel bad for charity, but I also thought this was funny. Here it is. Miguel is able to kind of bring charity back around to like the same part of the world, you know? <laughs> and she says she was having a memory of the fire and quote, my mom was being attacked by a dog and it just cracked me up. It's something about <laughs> that just cracked me up because you know what it is? What it's not what she said. It's that we know what happened. And that was funny. Like Tabitha as a dog, a dog was attacking her mom. Yeah, that's true. A dog also in her memory, what we saw, we heard Tabitha's voice. We didn't, I didn't hear the dog. Did you hear the dog? Cause I wrote in my notes. Originally I wrote, 
um, she oh, hears yeah. she hears the fight between Tabitha and Faith because she heard all the she yeah. and we could hear what Tabitha was saying in that memory. Yes, I I wonder if maybe because they spent a minute and a half on another flashback, they didn't show us the full memory. But because she we 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 saw her hear the conversation, but then when she is telling the other kids about the memory, she mentions the dog. Yeah, that she hears the dog. Yeah, so. As soon as she says, my mom was being attacked by a dog. Oh, this is a quick aside. Over at the church, the angel statue wakes up. Yep. And she appears over to Tabitha's house and goes, evil must not win. And now we're going back to the book cafe. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. I really like, had started like a whole new section of notes. I was like, oh, shit, we got some yeah. church things. Nope. Nope. Just that one little line. That's yep. it. Just tuck that away for now. Yep. So the kids take Charity home and they tell Grace about her little episode at the book cafe when the kids get to the Bennett house, they tell Grace what happens. And so Grace starts questioning things. She's like, so a random dog attacked my sister? And then she backtracks and is like, well, maybe they had a dog and I just don't know about it because we didn't get a chance to talk much. Mm-hmm. But she's like, but I never heard one when we were on the phone. Like, I never heard anything in the background. And I don't know. So so Grace is starting to question things. She's starting to put some stuff together, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be important at some point. Yeah. But I don't know. So Grace and Miguel then take Charity upstairs to rest and Kay and Simone are talking in the kitchen. Meanwhile, upstairs, Grace talks to Charity about her own amnesia mm-hmm. and about Sam and how special her relationship with Sam is. Um, and I think she's just trying to give Charity a little hope for the future. Yeah, it's like a little pep talk. You know, she's like, uh, I almost died in a fire as, as well. Like it's And it's normal to have scary dreams. It's normal to have confusing thoughts. Like I've, I've been dealing with this for a long time as well. Like I think she's just trying to normalize what Charity is going through and, and also help her understand that she's not alone, that she has support. You know, Grace is, Grace is great. Grace yeah. is wonderful. Grace is wonderful. And yeah, and then she talks about how wonderful Sam is and, and I couldn't agree more. Nope. Couldn't. I love him. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Sam is excellent. 100. So Miguel comes back down to the kitchen and talks to the girls and Kay, he says something about like, maybe this is a good sign because she's starting to remember some things and hopefully she'll remember some nice things and not just the bad things, you know? And Kay says something about giving Cherry the space and time to forget all the terrible things that have happened to her. What is there to forget? And she, she doesn't remember anything. And she wants to give her that space by turning the evening into a party and excluding Charity from it. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Kay suggests that they, she's like, why don't we make popcorn and watch a video? But Miguel, Miguel. He, he calls her out he on does. it. He's like, how can you think about turning this into a party with your cousin, with what your cousin is going through? Oh, he kind of comes down. He starts to come down hard on Kay and her because she's flipping about the whole thing. Absolutely. And and he and he's right. But unfortunately, he's a himbo. He's a himbo. Unfortunately, he's a himbo. And Reese is smitten with Kay. So he goes into Defender and says, oh, I see what you're doing here. And you're so wonderful of thinking about this. Like you're trying to you're trying to like relieve tension and make Charity feel like this is normal and like it's not ostracizing her and she doesn't need to be embarrassed about this. And it's like, yeah. no, that's not what this is. Well, Kay tries to clean it up and says yeah. she man she does manage to turn it around and say, well, if she sees all of us being gloomy and sad, it will only make her feel worse. And then Miguel apologizes to her and gives her a hug. Miguel, Miguel, Mignel, <laughs> Mignel, Mignel. Mignel. What do you think goes on in his mind? Like, do you think it's just a pastoral scene with like a bunny eating a carrot? Like, what? What is? What is his? What does his brain look like? You know what I mean? It's just that that monkey with the the <laughs> fucking symbols. <Yeah. laughs> like, what's going on up there? 
Oh, I don't know. It's just, you know what's going on up there? It's literally, what is it? it's that scene of him and Charity dancing. Like, it's crossed my heart on a loop in his fucking head. Yeah. That's what's going on in his head constantly. God. And it's sad. <laughs> Mignell. But let's quickly talk about Tabitha. Yeah, so all this is happening next door. Tabitha and Timmy are commiserating. Tabitha is miserable. Depressed. She's on the couch because she missed that window, that Halloween window, and she can't get her powers back. Yep. Also, what are they wearing? They were wearing like <laughs> matching Chinese robes. <laughs> what were they wearing? I loved it. Yeah. I want one. We should get a matching wrist <laughs> set. We should get a matching okay, set. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> gonna get those. We should do that for our next Chinese. our next whenever we change the cover photo. Robes. Yep. We should be in some matching PJ Chinese silk robe sets. I don't think we should. <laughs> 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 but I'll think about it. I'll pray on that. We'll think we'll think on it. Drinking some tea. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Tabitha's Tabitha is depressed and upset and sad. And um what Timmy tries to comfort her and console her. He says, Well, maybe charity isn't a threat to you. From everything Timmy's seen, she's totally harmless. <laughs> Which honestly is true. She really is. She's fucking pathetic. But Tabitha pushes back and is like, No, charity is the greatest adversary I've ever faced. And she says, Thank goodness we have Kay as an ally. Yep. It's like, well, mm-hmm. that's true. So this is when the angel appears in their oh, this is when the angel appears in their yard. Yeah. And says, Evil must not win. And the CGI looks better than usual to me. I don't know. Maybe they or wrong. Maybe it looks the same. Incorrect. I'm just used to it. You're just used to All it right. now. Great. <laughs> You've become desensitized. That's what it it's is. It's still very bad. Oh, I mean, I didn't say it looks good. I just said it looks better. better. It looks less bad. Mm, nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Timmy calls over to Tabitha because he's looking out the window and sees that Miguel and Charity have arrived at the Bennett house next door. And he's like, you know, Charity doesn't look so well. And that's when Tabitha pulls out the tarot cards to be like, okay. Let's see if we can find out what's going on with Charity. Maybe get some answers. Yeah, but she can't see anything because she has no powers and tarot cards aren't real. (laughs) That's not real. So, so they're fun, but they're they're fun. But like, if you don't have any powers to imbue them with, I don't think they can tell you much of anything. So she decides to go over to the Bennett house herself. So she and Timmy go over to the bushes next to the to the Bennett home where she loves to spy on the Bennett's her spot. Um, but she can't get any answers. Like, she's like, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go inside. I'm just going to invite myself in. Mm-hmm. And so she leaves. And then the angel appears. The angel child appears inside of her house. What was this? What was this? What purpose did this serve? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. It filled some time, I it think. It was so weird. And it, the angel, like, makes the table levitate and flips it to where the tarot cards slide off the table into the trash can. And then she leaves. That's it. Yeah. And then, well, and then she leaves and goes and like stands behind Timmy. Yeah. And this actually made me laugh because Tabitha goes to knock on the door and Timmy is like standing because he, they think he's a doll. Like he can't walk into the house. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden the angel appears behind him and Timmy says, something tells Timmy he doesn't want to turn around. (laughs) And it made me laugh. I don't know why I laughed so hard at it, but I did. And then the angel disappears again. It's like, what is the point of any of this scene? You made two scenes. You made me watch two scenes where nothing happened. I did, I did laugh. Yeah. I guess I laughed. Also, we are not going to talk very much about Timmy anymore, but there's a lot of Timmy bullshit in this, these episodes. Yeah. A lot yeah. of Timmy bullshit. Yeah. It was too much. It was too much. There's like a fluffy thing. Mm. There's like a, there's like two fluffy things. There's multiple fluffy things. Yeah. It's really 
bizarre. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Yeah. So we're we're just not going to talk no, about the we're unimportant gonna, stuff. We're going to go move on. We're trim the fat. Timmy. Okay. So Tabitha invites herself over to the Bennett home, lets herself in. Does she not? She uh, knock, knock, knocks on the door, and her ally Kay invites her in. Opens the door and invites her in. And Tabitha asks after Charity. The kids tell her what happened at the book cafe. Timmy eavesdrops from the window. And while this is all happening downstairs, the angel visits Charity upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought this was going to go somewhere. And it kind of did, but then it didn't. It did, but it didn't. Yeah. So the chair, so the charity. So the angel it, it kind of appears as like a little blue light. I don't know. And Charity is asleep, but the angel tries to wake her up and says, it's time to go downstairs. You must expose the evil for who she is. And then there's like some magic. Yeah. She places some kind of light inside of her head. Yeah. And I was like, is this to help her wake up or is this that's to help I, her remember things? That's what I was wondering too. Like what are, what is, what is, whoa, the lights just flickered. Hmm. Ooh, the angel. No, no. Oh, no. She knows, about, she knows I'm about to talk some mad shit about her. Because I'm really about to talk some shit about her. Let's do it. Let's talk oh some shit. Oh, my gosh. She's so annoying. So, yeah, she puts this thing in her head. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, okay, is she giving back, giving her back her memories? Is she just waking her up? What is it? Is she going to actually appear to her like she did to Grace? Because Grace could see her. Right. Why can't she appear to Charity so Charity can see her? Right. I, like, okay. Yeah. So, no. She wakes her up, basically. And she... Sends her down the stairs. So Tabitha's headed out of the house. She came in. She got the information she needed. And she gets the, she's trying to get the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. And just as she's about to leave, Charity comes down the stairs going, evil, 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 evil. Just saying evil over and over. She doesn't say it. So I was like, what the fuck did this angel do? You did not help your case. You make Charity look like a nutcase. And the little blue light is floating behind Charity on her way down the stairs. And it's at this point that... I've realized that no one seems to be able to see this light except right. for Tabitha. Yeah. So there's that. But also, as Charity's doing this, she's chanting this. There's no inflection in the voice. Mm -hmm. She's not yelling. And she's robotically pointing her finger at Tabitha and then bending at the elbow back up and then pointing at Tabitha again. It's all very robotic, zombie-like. Like, I cannot tell what the direction is. Like, what was the direction? What was the intention yeah. of this scene exactly? Like, yeah. is she meant to be in a trance? I, I don't know. I, I honestly was like, why did the, I'm under, I am annoyed by what the angel's intention was with this. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Like, because the only purpose it served was to make charity look insane. Everybody else is just confused. Understandably. Everybody's confused. Like what is fucking happening? Yeah. And so then she's coming in and she's just still chanting evil, evil, pointing her finger. And Kate, is standing next to Tabitha <laughs> and she thinks that Charity is looking directly at her and thinks that Charity has figured out all of the horrible things that she has done to keep them she uh, keep Charity and Miguel apart mm. which of course is not what's going on right and Tabitha of course knows that Charity is like pointing at her but she thinks that she's figured out all that she has done but she hasn't right you know right. Well, which is clear she's not saying anything but evil she's not saying anything else right and then Tabitha is the only one who can see the little girl. Yeah. But also, why is everyone calling her a little girl? Why is why are we calling Instead her a little of an girl? Angel. She's an angel. Also, can we talk about the fact that Tabitha is like Tabitha's eating popcorn during during this entire thing, and it was hilarious. And I was like, what a genius goddamn choice! What a genius choice! That actress is. She's great. She's superior. She's great. The thing is, Tabitha and Timmy basically have to do the same thing literally every episode and they do all a lot of the recap in this show falls on them and they find a way to make it interesting every time we don't really get to talk about it all the time because it is recap but 
she is excellent. The popcorn. She's great. The popcorn. I have, she's eating the popcorn. I have like a whole line of all caps ha ha ha's written because of it. Like <laughs> she's she's great. She's great. It's excellent. She doesn't she doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it just was so funny to me. It's like she knows that her goose is cooked. She thinks her goose is cooked, but she's still gonna keep eating that popcorn. <laughs> oh, heck natural. Eat the popcorn. <laughs> the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. So so Timmy's outside and observing everything that's happening like through the window. And he is also convinced that the angel has told charity about him and his involvement with Tabitha and everything. And, um, and it's, so he's freaking out outside, uh, just kind of waiting for Tabitha to come talk to him. And at this point, I, I think this is when they wrote into Tabitha's voiceover that she says, uh, no one can see the angel, but me, Mm. because I was, I, I had been wondering for like the 10 minutes of the scene what was going on. Um, and she tells the angel to back off and the angel's like, nah, and goes back to charity. And then Tabitha runs outside to like talk to Timmy. The whole thing is very, this was very, uh, all over the place. It's yeah. It's very, very scattered. Well, so charity has said evil, maybe 35,000 times at this point. And she finally collapses and just faints and without anything ever happening I, again right. what did the angel want to happen nothing happened nothing this angel sucks this angel sucks <laughs> like what what do you what did you want to have what did you think was going to happen was Evil. it and maybe maybe the light that she put in her head was only you know maybe maybe charity is just too feeble-minded to understand what the light was like maybe know. all she got out of it was evil but had she put it in a smarter mind they would have pulled it all together or maybe this angel sucks at her job yeah I maybe think, she's I'm, really shitty at that, being an angel i'm leaning towards that honestly me too remember the bees <laughs> i love the bees bees i i think she is a is not a good angel yeah that's maybe she is just a little girl <laughs> <laughs> she's just a little maybe she's just a little girl she's just a little girl who found out she could fly and so she just kind of floats around doing yeah. mischievous thing yeah <laughs> She's like a little sprite. She's just a little Getting into some nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So Charity finally collapses, and Miguel says to call Dr. Russell. She's like, he says, Simone, call your mom. But Kay stops her and says, no, don't call Dr. Russell. And Miguel yells, why not? What's the matter with you, Kay? Don't you care about your own cousin? Finally, Miguel. Finally. Finally. It took him almost 100 episodes. We go back. We have gone back and forth on, on Miguel for like, the last 30 minutes we keep doing like Miguel 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 well and then here we go with Reese again because this now it's Miguel Miguel Reese Reese. so Reese jumps in is like Charity was obviously sleepwalking and I know all about sleepwalking because I also used to be a sleepwalker hilarious what how many okay how many cases of amnesia and sleepwalking are we going to deal with this in, in this show infinite amounts between Sheridan and now Reese and Charity and Charity and Grace, yeah. Like how? What? Okay, I'm not gonna get into they it. They sleepwalk. It's I a, can't it's do a town it. of sleepwalkers. I can't do it. They sleepwalk. Sleepwalking is incredibly rare. Is, is it, it not? And not in harmony. Okay. Not something in, harmony. in the water. It's something in the water. Something in the lobster. <laughs> yeah. Something in the lobster. It's something in the lobster. So Charity starts to come to as as this whole chaotic scene is happening around her, and Miguel asks her, "What's evil?" what are you talking about? Like what's, what's going on? And, um, at that mo- at that exact moment, the angel makes herself visible to Tabitha and tells Tabitha, you're about to be ex- exposed. And Tabitha out loud 
in front of a room of people says, that will never happen. So the co- of course the kids stop paying attention to charity and start paying attention to fucking Tabitha. Yeah, she's like, Miguel's like, who are you talking to, Tabitha? Right. And she does, she actually does a good job of covering this one. Oh, oh yeah, I thought I it was, was good. I was like, this is, she's, this one's quick on her toes. Yeah. She's like, oh, I was just chastising myself because in my mind I was thinking, what if Charity never gets her memory back? What if poor Charity never gets her memory back? And then I was so disgusted with myself that out loud I said, that will never happen. Of course she'll get her memory back. And then she's like, it's a terrible habit from living alone. I talk out loud to myself all the time. I was like, well, that's plausible. She's a crazy old lady, so. Everyone (laughs) thinks she's a kook. Which she is. She certainly is. So... Yeah. So then Charity wakes up and they just kind of go back and forth like this, where they tell her she was sleepwalking and repeating things over and over again. And Tab was like, she's having a dream. And Kay's like, yeah, it's just a dream. You should forget about it because they're both villains. And it's just this. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, and Charity comes to Miguel tries to get her to figure out why she was saying evil or he says, who or what is evil? What is it? And uh, she can't remember anything. Of course she can't. Of course she can't. She can't remember anything. She didn't remember waking up. She didn't remember saying evil. She doesn't remember. She can't remember any fucking thing ever. Her brain is addled. And the only useful piece of information that she has remembered was the barking dog and the conversation that she overheard with Tabitha. But all of that was has nothing to do with this angel. All of that has nothing to do with the angel. The angel coming into the situation has made it worse. Absolutely. Absolutely made it so much worse because Charity looks crazy. Yeah. She looks like she's falling to pieces. Yeah. Cutting my life in two pieces. This This is is a last resort. (laughs) 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 Okay. So uh, Charity finally wakes up and kind of comes to, and Miguel is trying to get her to figure out or remember why she was saying evil. He's like, what or who is evil, but she can't remember. Of course, she can't remember anything, right? Of course. Yeah, no, she's she got nothing. She's so useless. And oh, I shouldn't say that, but oh my gosh, she can't ever remember anything. Her yeah. brain is so fucked up. Yeah, I mean, she went through that traumatic experience and there was, and then like went through the hospital and then Kay fucked with her brain and now the angel's <laughs> fucking with her brain. Like yeah. there's just, there's too, too many cooks in the kitchen. Get out of the brain. Get out of her, Get out of her kitchen brain. Like Get leave her, her alone brain. and let it do its healing. Well, then Reese suggests that they play word games to get Charity's mind off of the evil. Well, he says that games that stimulate the intellect are the ultimate thrill. <laughs> I love him. I, I, I have to agree. I love him. Frankly. I love a good game. I, I love a board game. Mm-hmm. Although they play Scrabble and I don't really like Scrabble. I love Scrabble. Mm-hmm. I don't really like Scrabble. I love Scrabble and I love this turkey. I love this turkey. That's for sure. Well, Tabitha invites herself to play so she can keep an eye on the angel because the angel's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, she's hanging out with Charity, hovering over Charity as a little blue ball. And so they all sit down to play Scrabble and the angel arranges Charity's tiles to say Tabitha. And then she says, Charity will reveal your true evil nature. And then Charity stands up, points to her tiles and says, that's the evil. And of all people, Kay surmises that the word that's on Charity's board, uh, her, her little board, you know, how it keeps mm-hmm. it away from until you, mm-hmm. what am I trying to say? I don't know. The, her little little thing. Her, the, 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 the thing. There's like the, there's like the, ba- the board where everyone plays their words and there's like the little ledge where you put your letters. Yeah. It's on that ledge. So nobody can see it but Charity. Right. But then Kay surmises that whatever the word uh, is on her little ledge must be the thing that spells out the evil. And so Kay, of all people, gets up to go look at it. And then Tabitha very obviously just 
throws the whole thing to pieces, like yeah. flips the board over. Well, at this point, Charity's like having another fucking panic attack. She's having another fit. Yeah, yeah. She's true. having another episode. So I think we were supposed to think that everybody was so distracted by Charity that nobody saw Tabitha literally just knock everything off. I mean, she it was so obvious. Yeah. It was so blatant, just, just pushing everything off of the table onto the floor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was very clearly intentional but nobody sees this Mm -hmm. and then charity faints again oh my god and at this point um Kay, of course thinks it's all pretend it's all just a farce she's just doing this for attention but simone puts her foot down and says look we need to call my mom this Mm -hmm. is this is the second time well the second time in the house the third time this day that she's had a fit about something we need to call we need to we need to call a doctor don't you think so miguel carries charity into the living room and Kay finally places a phone call to grace simone calls her mom eve and that's where the adults kind of pick up at the lobster shack. They, they finally find out what's been going on at the Bennett house and they hightail it over to see what they can do. Yep. Grace and Sam rush home from their date to see about charity and the kids tell them what happened. And Sam asks, well, what word was spelled on her tiles? And then Reese says, well, Tabitha was standing there. Maybe she, maybe she knows. And then she, the angel again, arranges the tiles in front of Tabitha on the floor to say Tabitha. Yeah, I wrote, adults have arrived and are equally as useless as the kids were. <laughs> the angel spells Tabitha out again, this time on the overturned tiles on the floor. Will anyone see it? Nope. Of course not. Nope. Tabitha kicks the tiles over. Stupid talk about the tiles. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that, that's my notes. That's and the, it. That's and she says she didn't see Charity's tiles. Sure. Of the course end. she didn't. Like this, we're, we don't really need to spend too much time talking about the Scrabble, but this is what they spent like three episodes on. <laughs> yeah. They spent like three episodes doing this to us. We just watched it happen. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, it, we could do. It happened to us. <laughs> yeah. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> yeah. So what Eve checks out Charity and says that she seems fine, but she'll give her a more thorough inve- uh, investigation, a more thorough. <laughs> Um, examination in the morning and then charity comes too because she's been passed out this whole time everybody's been standing around talking over her Mm. while she's laying there lifeless she's like what happened she sucks they ask her about the word that she spelled but she of course doesn't remember she's like i don't i don't remember i can't remember anything what's wrong with me i just don't remember anything (laughs) <laughs> What's wrong with me? Ugh, well, a so lot, stupid. babe. I'm sorry, but it's a lot that you is wrong with you. Yeah. So this next part is a lot of back and forth between parties where like sometimes it's two and then it's three and then they go to the group. So I think we should just kind of do general stuff. Basically, Kay and Simone again have the same conversation, only Kay has escalated this and is saying that Charity's insane. She's clinically out of her mind. And if she does snap, then my parents will have to send her off to an institution. So how can I ensure that this happens? Yeah, I I literally wrote, because she says um, that Charity might be crazy. And I was like, which, I mean, after this display, mm-hmm. after this these multiple displays today, it's I mean, the book, caf- the book cafe, then the evil coming down the stairs, then the standing up, having the panic attack about the... Uh, scrabble mm-hmm. like this one night and on top of that they don't know her right on top of that they do not know her they don't know her history yeah. they don't know her father's mental history they don't know her mother's mental health history yep. like they don't fucking know her she could be a real danger to herself or them mm-hmm. they don't really know her mm-hmm. i mean this was the moment when i wasn't i wasn't like am i hmm. i was like am i team k for like half a second 
<laughs> until the next sentence came out until of Kay's the mouth. very next thing because she's like maybe she um if she snaps they'll have to send her to an institution and uh, and right here i was with her for a little bit i was like yeah if she snaps they're gonna have to send her away mm. but then i thought the question is is Kay gonna be the one pushing her over that edge and the answer you know is of I mean? course so then Kay tells simone she's like you know what i know what i'm gonna ask for for christmas this year i'm gonna ask for a big dog so she can teach it to basically torture charity she's like i'm gonna teach this dog to growl at charity which will drive her crazy Push and push her right over the edge into the loony bin. Her words, not mine. Okay. 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 Evil. Evil. And then she says, she says, we all know she's a nut screaming about evil all the time. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, I'd be helping her. The sooner she gets professional help and gets committed to some kind of asylum, the better she the better off she'll be. <laughs> we all know she's a nut. <laughs> that might be it. That might we be all it. know she's a nut. That's a good title. <laughs> I mean, this episode title. Because that just made me laugh. We all know she's a nut. Yeah. Yep. So this is happening. Kay is, Kay is a Lannister. <laughs> Kay is a Lannister. She's a broke Lannister. She's so a broke-ass Lannister. So she's just evil. Who, who, does, who can't afford a car because Charity needed some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she can't pay those debts oh she'll pay those debts mm, with her soul to the devil that's right so while this is kind of going down uh these dum-dums have decided to try and recreate the scrabble board so that they can determine what the word was that charity had flipped out about and it's so dumb that that's i think all i really want to say about it well it's interesting <laughs> to me because they're like oh we all picked out all the same letters we had before and i was like they really can't remember that because i would never be able to remember all like whatever how many letters did you get 10 seven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> maybe i will be able to remember seven letters I'm probably not though honestly but how would you remember all the words on the board and exactly where they were well, i mean i know they, you, you they had... hadn't started yet yes they had there was like a board full of words spelled out oh i thought because Oh, I thought they hadn't started yet because they, he was like trying to show her how to play the game. No, but Kay was like, I remembered which words we w- we had played out. And then I remember I saw yours, even though I wasn't supposed to Tabitha. Oh, so we, like, I thought they hadn't it. started yet. Yeah, no, okay. they had, they had like, cause when Tabitha flipped the board off the table, there, the tiles fell everywhere cause mm. they had been playing words already. Oh, okay. Yeah. This, well, th- these like two or three episodes or whatever it was that they were doing this whole thing were so like roughshod like everything was just slapped together and <laughs> like it didn't make sense the scenes were cut really poorly like it was it was it, yeah it was not their best yeah so they have recreated the board and they've all looked at the tiles that charity had and none of them seem to be able to come up with any word that would be evil and then tabitha rearranges them they they call tabitha in because tabitha is outside let's actually talk about tabitha outside mm. tabitha is out goes outside and talks to timmy and uh, actually, this isn't important. She went outside to talk to Timmy and she overhears them saying they've got it. And yeah. then they ask her to come in. Yes. Yeah, and, and then she finds out that they have recreated the game. And so she's looking at the tiles and they're like, maybe you can help. What do you see here? And so she spells out the word habitat. Great job, Tabitha. Great ha- job, habitat. Hab- <laughs> habitat. <laughs> yep. So nope. No help. Yeah. No help at all. That's it. And that's, that's it. That's it. Like that's, it's so, it's, it's so dumb. Like this transition into the next day, which is episode 95 was so 
awkward and so weird. It was the roughest transition. There was like no establishing shots to show you where we were, when we were. I yeah, like, I was confused about what what happened. I was like, are we yeah. in the same day? Did I miss an episode? Me like, too. I was Me too. very confused. Yeah, it was the this it, the whole thing was problematic in terms of like like I said, it transitions and establishing shots. But mm-hmm. whatever. Let's. It's poorly produced. It wasn't great, but no. we should continue this story because mm-hmm. it goes into the next morning. The next morning, Tabitha is at her house recapping the night before to Timmy. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says, God forbid that charity comes snooping around over here. Then Timmy pulls out that 300 year old portrait of evil, which is just a portrait of Tabitha in a um, pilgrim's costume or whatever. And why is she smiling that way in that picture? Well, and she says she hates that painting. And I didn't realize she had the painting. I thought it was at Grace's. I was like, how'd she even get that? And if you did have it and it was incriminating evidence, why wouldn't you destroy it? I think. I think it's enchanted. Is I think like she can't destroy some it. Some Dorian Gray kind of thing going on. Because that's what I because that's what I was thinking at first. But then what happens with the thing? I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, maybe it's like enchanted. Because she says it's going to haunt me for the rest of my unnatural life. Uh huh. And so it seems that maybe this thing is a magical item. Yeah. Well, well, there's some stuff that happens with the painting in a minute that we're going to talk about, and I wasn't sure if that's what was going on if it was like mm-hmm. an enchantment a magical thing or if this was like the angel again yeah i wasn't sure either I, i'm really still unclear on that okay like <laughs> hopefully it will be um cleared up for me soon but i yeah. don't know but yeah she says that that painting will haunt her for the rest of her unnatural life she hates that painting um she then has a flashback of her head coming through this was honestly probably one of the best things in the whole episode was i wrote it down flashback. too i wrote it down too it was this flashback that of her head coming through Faith's computer and then her like breathing fire at her and telling her she's going to get her and your daughter too. It uh, was a very long flashback and I but would I agree it. that it was one of my high, the highlights of this week. Yep. Yep. Was, yep. was something that I saw 40 episodes ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, so she has that little flashback and then she tells Timmy to put that painting away and she says, I'll be finished if anyone so- sees it because how can I explain it? And, but in my opinion, it could be easily explained away. I was at a Renaissance fair. It could be anything. It could be. I had this done because it was a present. I had this, this made. This is a joke. Yeah. This is whatever. Or, or, or this really matters to me. Or this is an ancestor. Exactly. Isn't that interesting? I look so much like my grandmother yeah. or something. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Well, because it wouldn't be grandmother because, 300 years, but you know. Well, because who is going to leap to the conclusion that Tabitha is 300 years old? Right. Nobody. Right. No one. Absolutely no one. Um, like, you could give me any explanation except for I'm actually 300 years old and I would accept it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, literally any, anything but the truth is more plausible yeah. than the actual truth. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why she's so afraid that anybody will see that. But anyway, she tells him to put it away. And so he takes it on upstairs. And uh, at this moment, what happens? Well, at this moment, Charity decides to come knocking at the door because she she wakes up that morning and runs into Sam because the family had put her to bed the night before and just decided to let her rest. So Grace is at work. The girls are at school. Sam's getting ready to go to the police department and Charity has slept in and runs into him and is like, what's going on? And he's like, don't worry about it. Like, stay home and rest. We know you're, you're, you had a hard night. Uh, I have to go to the police department, but just, you know, do what you need to do. He's very fatherly. It's very sweet. And poor Charity apologizes. She's like, I feel terrible. I upset everybody, especially that nice lady from next door. Mm-hmm. I roll. <laughs> but uh but Sam leaves for work and Charity decides she's gonna head next door to apologize to Tabitha for causing mayhem and also to further develop the storyline. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's really why she's going. Yep. So she goes over, she knocks on the door, but nobody seems to be home, so she naturally lets her fucking self in. Just walks in. Just walks the just walks right in. These people just walk into people's homes. And I understand 
that charity like lived a very sheltered life and was always around her mom, didn't go to school, like maybe missed out on some like socialization things. But like, how do you not know that you should never just walk into somebody's house? Yeah. Well, she walks in and immediately that painting starts to float down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and Timmy can't do anything because Timmy has turned himself into his doll form and is sitting on the couch like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, he's like, oh no, Tabitha. My princess. <laughs> yeah, so that painting is floating down the stairs into the living room and then it places itself on the wall behind Charity. But Charity is, of course, oblivious to the picture. Completely, completely. and utterly. And it's in a pretty prominent location, but why would it hang itself? Well, I guess it had to hang itself behind her because if she sees it floating around, you yeah, know, yeah, then that's pretty pretty, pretty strange. That would I send mean, me running out the door. Yeah, I guess. But like, if you're trying to get her to realize that there's like evil in the world and, and magic and shit, this would be a good proof. Yeah. But, but again, was this the angel doing it or was this some kind of curse like what what's happening and again i will say i don't know <laughs> i don't know i'm sorry I, mean, I wish i could tell you but i don't i don't have the answers but it's such go ahead it just wasn't set up no it just this day wasn't set up well so charity's there the picture's on the wall now tabitha's coming in oblivious to charity she does because of course why would charity be in her fucking home yeah and so as she's coming in she's like i gotta get rid of that brat and then she sees Charity, and Charity's like, what? What brat? Tabitha, you said you got to get rid of a brat. And he, she's like, oh, no, I meant I said a rat. Easy. Yeah, I've got a rat in the attic. I've got a real rat problem, <laughs> she says. <laughs> I've got a real rat problem. She lives in the New York City subways. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. Do you have another rat story? Yes! Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So the other day, I, so I ride city bike to um, school and back to the subway sometimes. And the other day after school, I got on a city bike and I was riding out into the street. I was about to ride off the sidewalk into the street. I wasn't paying close enough to attention. And there was like a dead rat in the street. And I drove, <gasps> I rode the bike no, over the fucking no, rat. No, because I was, no, I should have been paying closer attention. No, yes, I did. No, yes, I did. No, yes, I did. Yes, I did. It was horrible. It was so oh, fucking horrible. I'm like, my feet are off the ground. I'm like kicking my legs and waving my hands like a maniac. At least it was dead though. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. So there, oh. I've got I've got a real rat problem. <laughs> dead rat with a bike. Dead rat. Someone else has to ride that bike I now. I rode with a dead rat with a city bike. Oh. <laughs> That's the most New York sense. <laughs> That's the most New York sense I've ever heard. I ran over a dead rat with a city bike. <laughs> oh my gosh, it happened. That though. should be the title of the episode. <laughs> god so yeah tabitha says she's got a rat problem and then um charity apologizes to tabitha for how she acted last night and then tabitha's like you don't remember anything about last night or what upset you do you and she's like nope of course she doesn't of course she doesn't she doesn't remember anything why would she that's like her whole personality i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> i get why Kay's annoyed with her me too I don't think she deserves what's Kay, no. what Kay is doing, obviously. Certainly not. I get why no. she's irritated. Kay sucks and is awful, but I yes, Charity is also very irritating and insufferable. Mm -hmm. And can't remember anything. She can't remember anything. Yeah. She couldn't remember about the internet. Yeah, well. Or like computers. Or anything that has happened to her since she got amnesia. Or that like you, you should remember the things from like today. Or that you shouldn't walk into people's homes without 
being invited in useless this girl maybe she they maybe they do need to put her in a she does maybe she does need to be committed to a uh, facility mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say asylum but a facility, a facility. where she could some learn are, some skills yeah she needs some help <laughs> yeah 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 maybe sent off to france <laughs> she is young sheridan yeah after all <laughs> what's that show young sheldon young yeah we've sheldon. got young sheridan <laughs> Uh, so she apologizes and Tabitha asks her, you don't remember anything, but of course she doesn't. And then charity's going to head out and leave. And as she is leaving that, and you know, Tabitha thinks, Tabitha thinks she's home free. Cause she sees the picture and she's like, shit, I got to get this bitch out of here before she sees this picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's getting her out of there and charity's on her way out. So Tabitha thinks, Tabitha thinks I'm home free. But then that picture just like, falls to the floor it's trying to be discovered yeah and which is why why didn't it just float in front of her right at that point (sighs) and so then charity picks up the picture and she goes i remember this painting finally you remember something she remembers the painting and then tabitha goes in her head if you do remember you're one dead brat (laughs) (laughs) you're one dead brat yeah yeah so that's a, uh, that's the end of what happens with those people. It took an hour just to tell that story. Oh boy, it's crazy. We just need to return to return Sheridan. to Sheridan. A return to Sheridan. Doesn't that sound like a good like Hallmark movie that yeah. you would really enjoy? Return, return to, to Sheridan. Sheridan. Yeah, I love it. Anyway. I do too. I would watch that movie. I don't even know what it's about, but based on the title alone, I I based on the title alone, I would probably watch it multiple times. I watch it a <laughs> bunch. It sounds like a movie that I would watch over and over again about. It, like an Anne of Green Gables type of movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Just a, about a, maybe a homestead mm-hmm. and a woman who has left but comes back to Sheridan. Like a prodigal son but with a woman kind of situation. With a woman. She yeah. comes back to Sheridan because she has returned to, to Sheridan. To Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes back and she makes butter and shit. Yeah. I would and watch falls that. falls in love. Definitely falls in love with a hunk who looks like Sam Bennett. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's like a Christmas thing going definitely on. Definitely. There will definitely be a Christmas episode. Actually, Return to Sheridan would be a series. A se- oh, okay. <laughs> I'm writing this in my head now. Okay. <laughs> we got to return to Sheridan. Sure. Um, so what's going on with this is we should, we should start with Luis, I think. Okay. Okay. So it's the next morning in the Lopez Fitzgerald kitchen. Luis and Pilar continue their conversation from last night at the Lobster Shack. They keep discussing how Martin is missing. And Luis has decided that uh, he wants to put some police resources into a new investigation. You know, science has evolved. Investigation techniques have changed. And he's like, maybe if we do this again, we can find some information that was unavailable to us or that we missed the first time through. And Pilar says, look, I don't know what happened to your father, but I don't think that he's dead. And she explains why they say exactly what they said last night. Um, But she does add this one thing. She worries that maybe Martin had an accident and struck his head and he just doesn't know who he is. He's got amnesia. Uh, Again, another (laughs) amnesia story. Like, seriously, is this what's going to happen? I don't think they're going to do another amnesia story. You don't? Why? We've so already talked. We've already talked about how five people in this show sleepwalk. Okay, all right. <laughs> I guess Martin has amnesia. Possibly, I, maybe. Possibly. We don't know. We I, we don't know. I I don't think he does. But I, I if I were you, I wouldn't say there's not going to be another amnesia story because there is absolutely <laughs> going to be another amnesia story. Oh boy! All right. It well, might not be Martin, but somebody else is going to have a pro- is going to have trouble remembering. Probably. Yeah. I just hope it isn't this right now on the heels of like two other amnesia. Whatever. So the next the next thing we see is Luis at the police department and he's following up on what he said. He's looking into the missing 
person cases and he's talking with Sam and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And Sam asks some good questions and has some hunches about what, what maybe happened on that phone call where Alistair called Martin. So like Luis is finally like doing something about this instead of just stewing, doing instead of stewing. Yeah. Well, I think he's doing what he had done kind of before, but it, all, it, it always comes to a dead end. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to, and he's, I think this time he has more resolve to just like, I fuck it. I don't give a fuck if the cranes kill me. I don't care if they fire my mom. Like I, I want to get to the bottom of this, but I think maybe before he maybe has been a little bit too scared to press yeah. as, as and go as far as he's about to go. Well, I also think that he, uh, is pooling knowledge finally. Like he's talking with Sam and I know Sam's the new police chief, but he obviously hadn't involved other people before. And now he has someone to bounce ideas off of and to, mm. and to go to bat for him and to help him look into this stuff. And so he, he's not doing it on his own, which is something that Luis struggles with. Luis just feels like he needs to do everything on his old. He's carrying the world on his shoulders mm-hmm. and he's learning that he has to have help. Sometimes we all need help. Mm-hmm. Can't do it alone. Nope. So, um, so Luis has a flashback. Oh my God, this fucking flashback. It, <laughs> it wasn't super important. It was just like really bad wigs and the, the guy who was playing Luis, it wasn't. And why didn't they, why use, didn't they use Luis? Luis? <laughs> they use all the other actors when they do their flashbacks. They let Sam they ha- be teenage Sam. They hi- yeah, they hired another actor to play teenage Luis. And he looked the same age as Luis yeah, he as looked we know old. him. Because Luis is in his 20s. So why? why it was <laughs> oh, perplexing. <laughs> I was confused. Because he came in, I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I did too. I was like, wait a second. Is this supposed to be Luis? Because we have Pilar in a wig. So she's supposed to be like young Pilar sitting at the table, worried about her family. And uh, I wrote, I couldn't even focus on the content of this flashback. There's something about young Louise promising to take care of the family, but that's it. Yeah. It's like him coming home from school the day that she called the police and said that Martin just never came home last night. So she's been crying and upset all morning. And she says that he's gone and they don't know where he's going to be. And yeah, Louise, or they don't know where he is. And Louise... This young Luis, this was weird because it almost made me feel like maybe he killed his dad. It was weird. He was like, she says, um, you know, your father's gone. And instead of being like, oh, my God, or grieving in any way, you know, he's like, I'll take care of us now, mama. Yeah, he like he <laughs> vows to be like the head of the household. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> That's not the process. That's yeah. not the process. Yeah. You find out your dad is gone, possibly dead and Probably not coming back. It's my family now, mama. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was weird. I don't know. But that's what happened in that flashback. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all that happens over at the police station. Yes. Yep. That's that. So I think we should next talk about Sheridan and Ethan. Yes. Does Sheridan have a bed? (laughs) I haven't seen it. Every time we see Sheridan sleep or wake up or whatever, it's on the couch in her cottage. Like, Does she not have a bed to sleep in? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I've seen her go back to that back room. To change. Yeah. It's just a closet. <laughs> yeah. It's just a walk-in closet. Yeah. Sheridan hates Julian so much and is so af- afraid of being in that crane mansion. She sleeps on the couch. In a cottage. In a cottage. Yeah. So she she's screaming. She wakes up and she's screaming. And Ethan valiantly rushes rushes to her aid. He opens the door and runs in because he, he hears her screaming and mm-hmm. comforts her. And proceeds to hold her like a lover. <laughs> well... They love each other. They love each other. In the I, biblical sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. They want to lie together. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she's, she, I feel bad for her in this moment. She is really freaking out. It's clear that she's woken up for another, from another nightmare. 
And she just doesn't, at this point, like she's so confused. She doesn't know what's real. She doesn't know if her reality is true. If the thing that she, if the life that she's experienced up to this point is real. Like she, she's just, she's crumbling. She's falling apart. Yes, absolutely. Poor thing. She doesn't know what's up, what's down, what's right, what's left. She, she can't tell a circle from a square at this point. Poor thing. Her mind's all discombobulated. Mm. I feel so bad for her. And then Ethan starts to tell her, um, you know, that he has new feelings about his father and that he, maybe he's not the most trustworthy person, but maybe he's telling her the truth. He's like, I, you know, I'm not sure a, a few weeks ago, whatever my dad said, I would have believed him, but now I'm not so sure because I've learned some things since I've been home. So she, he's like, it could go either way. Not sure, but we got to figure it out kind of yeah. thing. And so they once again kind of try to work out what happened that night. And Ethan says, oh, what about the coffin? He thinks about the coffin. And he's like, where would they have gotten a coffin on such short notice? And they both are like, oh, the funeral parlor that the Crane family always uses. (laughs) They don't name it. (laughs) They just say the funeral home we always use. Yeah. (laughs) Crane funerals. Yeah. And uh, so he says, if it was delivered that night, it should be on their books. And so then they decide to go to the funeral home and look through the inventory files at the um, funeral home on the computer. And they do find one like unaccounted for coffin uh-huh. around the same time that this incident occurred. So then what happens? So then they call uh, over a guy. His name is Henry. I guess he works at the funeral home and they ask him what's going on, you know, and, and he he starts going into this like he launches into a tale about how uh, the funeral home has a, a long history of burying cranes and helping them with all their funereal needs and this whole thing. And Ethan's like, bro, I don't care about this. Like, can you yeah. tell me about this coffin? There's a missing coffin in your inventory. Um, can you look into it? Like, can you find some more information? And so Henry leaves to go see what he can find. And when he comes back, he says that there was like a clerical error. Well, before that, because they found this little mishap, Sheridan is now convinced that she's not dreaming in this moment, right? Like that little piece of information makes her think, no, this definitely happened. Like, Mm -hmm. and it makes her more and more upset. And Ethan tells her if it happened, then she should just forget about it. Yeah. He was like, the the reason, the whole reason we're doing this is so that you know what happened and maybe you can come to terms with the truth. But if it did happen, you know, you have to like forget about it. Right. So again, now Ethan's kind of saying that same thing that, that, um, Julian was saying, although I think he's saying it more for Sheridan's sake and not for like the family's sake, you know, cause I think he's saying it more because if Sheridan did kill someone, she's going to go to jail, right. you know, they, at yeah. least they think she is. Yeah. And Julian's whole thing is, you know, it, it's shameful for the family, but he does say that to her. Like I'm, if it I, happened, you should forget about it. I, uh, I believe you. I did not write that down, but I believe that, that Ethan would say that. He says it happened a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, uh, it, it, I guess at, while this is all happening, they just, Ethan and, uh, what's her name? Sheridan have discovered that a, a coffin was delivered to the crane mansion. Is that right? Well, they find that they don't know that it was delivered to the Crane Mansion. They just find that there's one missing, I think. Well, because oh, well, well, because the guy, Henry, comes back in and tells him a story about how there was, like, a scratch in the coffin, and it had to be, like, returned, yes. and that's why it's missing from the inventory, yeah. but it wasn't actually yeah. delivered there or something. Yeah, I don't think he ever said that. that I don't think there was. it was ever said. I don't think it was ever said explicitly that um, the 
coffin was delivered to the crane mansion. I think it was a conclusion that was leapt to. Ah, okay. Um, and he, yes, the funeral director comes back and tells Sheridan and Ethan that the information was entered incorrectly into the computer mm-hmm. and that the coffin wasn't, uh, isn't missing. It was dented or scratched. And he says, and actually it was made out of wood, not metal, like the one that Sheridan remembers seeing. Mm-hmm. So this makes Sheridan think, okay, maybe I was dreaming. Well, they leave and who slips out? Julian slithers in. Yeah, Julian comes in and threatens the funeral director. He's like, I don't want this to ever happen again. Thanks for calling me, but uh, don't let this happen again. Fix this record and th- and delete any records of that coffin. And erase this floppy disk. Yeah, he and he, he threatens him like, I shouldn't have to tell you about like the dangers of how, how, how fragile life can be or something like that. Yeah. He threatens him because he's a mob boss. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah. So he, he, so Henry is in his pocket. Yeah. He bribes him. He pays him when Henry had left to go quote unquote, look up the records. He had actually called Julian to ask for guidance on what to do. So he Mm -hmm. comes back in and, you know, in order to keep uh, Sheridan and Ethan off of the trail, he makes up a lie. And, uh, so Julian handles that and, um, there's another phone call with Alistair. We don't really need to say much nope. about it, but I laughed so hard because Alistair says, Ethan has a shop legal mind. <gasps> I laughed at that too. It me the fuck up. I was like, this guy, you don't even know your own grandson. And he warns Julian that he has to stay two steps ahead of him at all times. I wrote that down I too. I was like, well, this is laughable because Ethan is a dunce. What an idiot. It was so funny. I cracked up. So yeah. they're, they're so worried that Sheridan's going to find out the truth because Ethan has a, such a sharp mind that he's going to put the pieces together. Apparently. So after their trip to the funeral home, Ethan concludes that no murder ever happened. And Sheridan is thrilled and throws her arms around him and goes, is it finally over? Am I finally free to live my life? And then they make out. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) And then they notice a police car at the mansion. And it turns out that Luis is over at the mansion. And when Julian comes back in from (laughs) gaslighting Sheridan at the funeral parlor, he's Luis is there waiting for him. And he says, I want to ask you some questions about a missing person. Dun, dun, dun. And that's where we are. Yeah. That was a slog. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it was no, a slog. It wasn't too bad. No, it wasn't a slog, but these episodes were not um, what I had hoped for. Yeah. They, again, they've, it all, it, a lot of it really just fizzled. I, um, yeah, it was, it was a disappointing week. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of recap. There yeah. was a lot of recap. It was a slow week. It was tough to like follow. It was really back and forth. Yeah. yeah, it was it was tricky, but well, hopefully we've delivered to you delivered it to you in an interesting way. We made it through. Whew. And now this is the end of our program, our program. <laughs> All right, but before we go, we have a little listener mail from our dear historian Zach. Zach writes, "Ladies, I thought I sent this email a couple weeks ago, but discovered it apparently disappeared into cyberspace somewhere. So fingers crossed, this one gets to you." Anyway. I blew Latara's mind in my previous email when I mentioned that Procter and Gamble owned soaps like Another World. So I figured I would blow her mind a little bit more. P&G not only owned soaps, but they are largely responsible for the term soap opera, which I, that is blowing my I mind. I did not know that. Back in the 30s, when soaps were broadcast on radio, companies like P&G sponsored them, buying time on them to advertise their household products like Oxidol Laundry Soap. Because these serial dramas, as they were known, were sponsored by soap, they came to be known as soap operas. Hmm. When Guiding Light transitioned to TV in 1952, P&G continued to produce the show. 
From that point until as the world turns ended in 2010, Procter & Gamble owned slash produced over 20 different soaps. Your mind sufficiently blown? <laughs> Zach in Texas. Yeah. I didn't know they owned soap operas. I didn't know that radio dramas transitioned into television shows as I did soap know operas. That. I had no idea. I did know that. I that that just blew my mind. <laughs> they transitioned a radio show from like the 30s and 40s into a television show in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Whoa. There's a lot of shows that did that. I didn't I had no clue. Cuz NBC used to be like just radio. Yeah, I just didn't know that. Yeah. All right. So This is really, this is this is Turned my mind it turned upside, upside down, down and inside out. Yeah. So, everybody, remember, uh, you can follow us on social media. We have an Instagram, a TikTok, a Facebook. Uh, you can send us an email, just like Zach from Texas. We are passionspodcast at gmail.com. What else do we need to say? Check out the website. We have a website. There's merch. There's new merch. There's a cute mug. Yeah, there's a cute mug. I'm I gonna, might get that mug. Actually, I'm going to order like everything that we have. I already have three t-shirts, but I'm going to get the new stuff too mm-hmm. and i think i'm gonna make like some posts with the we can do some modeling oh my gosh if you get merchandise please tag us in it like i would yes. love to see people cute little tote bag little coffee in the morning with your mug i think that's so cute t-shirt so. also if you have like an idea for something that you would like to see in our store just send it over and i'll see what i can do about it yeah 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 so thank you for your support we appreciate it please keep it up it means a lot to us yep 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 and we'll sing you out now You are my passion for life.